0: Geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you, doing all we can to support you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week and it's delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Wealthfront and Mailgun. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show. All about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada, the spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's got a deal with me talking about the fact that the 49ers made the playoffs tonight! Woo! Beat those Rams. I know you don't care, Christian, but I'm celebrating. Christian Spicer, everybody. Hello, Christian.
2: Hello. I'm just happy to be back. This is my first podcast back after uh, tearing my Achilles. Um, So I feel good to be, I've tested out my podcasting Achilles. It feels fresh.
0: Your podcasting Achilles.
2: My podcast, I tour it last week after last week's show. I didn't miss Mm. any time, but um, I'm making a big splash, bro. And I'm back.
0: Uh, you use the podcasting ach- Achilles because you're constantly pivoting away from the points that I want to make, right? <laughs> Boom.
2: Well played, my friend. Too bad I still broke through and had a nice dunk and made my first
0: three. But uh, we're having fun. Are we talking about clay? We're we talking about clay. Yes. I'm also excited about clay. Yes, he's that's back, what I baby. was talking about. He's happening right now. I, I can't watch it. So you're you're it's hurting me to to not watch, although I'm he's doing well already. Oh, man, we got lots to talk about none of it, sports. No, we're talking about <laughs> video Games. It's our first real show of 2022. We had our, uh, our, special, our special first of the year prediction episode last week, which was super fun. But this is our first real show of the year in our actual normal format. And I'm excited. I'm excited you're with us. Thank you for downloading the show. Thank you for taking us with you wherever you happen to be. We have... An awesome show for you. Got lots to talk about here at the beginning of the year. And we have an awesome guest. This is a guest that started our year off last year. And you know how well last year went. So oh, wait, what could no, possibly no, go no. wrong?
2: Cancel. Cancel. Change. Change. What could possibly go again. wrong?
0: You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, once again, I am so excited because DLC stands for Danish Long Campaigns. And Ooh. for new listeners, I'll explain why that is in a moment, but it's because our <laughs> guest this week is one of our friends, one of our favorite people. We have senior UI visual designer at Respawn on the Star Wars team. Our friend, Danish Syed is back with us. Hey,
1: Danish. Hey, guys. Great to be back. Uh, you know, starting the new year, new year off, right? You know, January in, in like the film world is usually known as the January dump month where mm. they release like all their kind of crappy movies. So I think it's appropriate uh, for me to be on, I'm, I'm the Doolittle of DLC. <laughs> <laughs> the Doolittle, I hey, love
2: it. Hey, hey, you had a very big budget though. Like, let's not let's not That's get true. this wrong. Like, made a list talent and yeah. a huge budget and still bombed.
0: But you know, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited to talk about uh, uh, some stuff that actually you and I have been playing together, uh, yeah. as well as some some you know just checking in. With the, the news, we haven't talked about the news for a couple of weeks because we had special episodes, and I'm excited to get back on the horse and and talk about uh, the year that's that's coming up. We got – there's some big stuff, guys. CES happened. We're going to talk all about that. Um, yeah, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited. So let's jump right in and start the well, show. Real
1: quick. Actually, I just want to say thanks oh, for uh, taking my feedback from last week. The the music beds under the, uh, the retrospective flashbacks, that was awesome. Uh, now that we've opened the door, I have some other demands. Oh no! Um, I think we should. I think you guys need to switch to a daily format. Oh no! Um, you know, like once a week's not quite enough. Also, it'll it'll help like that kind of a constant news cycle that you guys are always behind on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, the energy that you have at the top of the show, everyone loves, is great. I think you need to keep it up for the whole episode. I think that's the <laughs> other, that's the other issue I have.
0: So. Just scream at people for two hours.
2: <laughs> yeah. Danish, I tried that, and Jeff doesn't. <laughs> um Oh no! <laughs> but I really try. So.
0: You know, your microphone won't even allow that anymore. Your microphone's Nvidia, Nvidia,
2: time. Nvidia broadcast yeah. saves you all yeah. from the Thank spice you. man. I can turn I it had, off on uh, lickety split, though. Jim. No, I had I a I had
0: a off. special call with the the folks at Nvidia, and I said, "Hey, that filter. I have a very specific <laughs> request for that filter." And they came through. I'm just really pleased about it. All right, let's start the show. I will try to keep my energy up just for you, Danish. Start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story on the week, it's the story on the week. Hey, story of the week it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments or questions, suggestions for future guests. We've been getting a lot of those at the beginning of the year. I always love that. Opening our eyes to folks we may not be aware of. Uh, Anything you would like to send, please don't hesitate, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We've also got communities over on the subreddit, 5x5dlc.reddit.com is one, and the Discord, which is also 5x5DLC on the old Discord. Check them out, good folks, fun people. Become a part of it. But Danish, you are a guest, you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
1: Well, I'm so happy I'm on this week of all weeks because we had the news that we've all been waiting for. There's only one story here that's worthy of story of the week. After all the speculation, especially on this show, you know, so last week, Sony unveiled their (laughs) new update to the uh, SO1, the the electric car, the Sony Vision (laughs) SO2. So this was debuted at CES last week. It's a follow-up from their previous model, and it's like more like a Tesla Model Y so I think I think that's just fantastic. That's my story of the week for sure.
0: Yeah, so Sony coming out with something that we've all been anticipating—a second version of something yeah, that we're all yeah, super excited about. Yeah, no, I uh, definitely a good story. I'm uh, very gaming
1: related, though. Oh, there's also the VR thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> PSVR two. Christian, it's so early for me to be <laughs> so right. Jeff was right.
2: I know, wait, Christian. Wait. I know. But uh, we. What do you? I, I love. What do you write about?
0: They announced it. It's uh, it's full on. It's happening. It's gonna. They didn't say it's coming out this year, but it's coming out this year. You don't announce it in January for it not to come out in the holiday, right? I I hope so. Mm. I, so uh, let's get
2: through the specs because then I have right. I have some discussion points. But for people that didn't, you know, yes. that were there for the car news and got distracted by the VR news. Also, while Danish is already sidebarring us, I will do another sidebar. CES also reminded me, and Sony in particular of that glorious Tom Hanks CES presentation when they brought him out to promote angels and demons. And he just took it to, he's like, I'm only here because my contract says I have to be walk on stage, use whole stage. Don't get nervous. And like, he just does this whole thing. Oh my gosh. Tom Hanks is an icon. Anyway, that's all
0: good sidebar. Good sidebar. All right. PS VR <laughs> two, which actually technically is called PlayStation VR. Or Sony PlayStation VR Two is the actual uh, logo just rolls trippingly off the tongue. Uh, will feature officially 4K HDR 110 degree field of view visuals, foveated rendering, and not that kind of foveated rendering we've been getting, but eye tracked foveated rendering, which is really useful. Uh, that the I believe the um, even the Quest has foveated rendering, but it's static. So basically, it means it doesn't render the the edges in as high detail as the center, but you can kind of tell if you move your eye around. But uh, PSVR two supposedly will have eye tracking, so that it'll render uh, the edges of your vision wherever you happen to be looking at the lower fidelity, uh, saving your processor a bit, and uh, m- but not uh, not making it so noticeable that the uh, the edges of your vision are uh, less high fidelity. Uh, these are OLED displays inside the headset. Uh, it is uh, 2,000 by 2040 resolution per eye. Very nice. Uh, they're saying a 90 or 120 hertz uh, frame rates, which is very nice. And um, inside out tracking, as we were hoping for. Uh, the The controllers are going to be called the Dual. No, excuse me. The sense controller. Now we have the dual sense, and it is one controller. And now we have the sense controllers, and they're two controllers.
1: You only so get one... one sense on each controller. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> but the one that says dual in the name is only one, and the one that has two is
0: doesn't have dual. Uh, it, it's confusing, but uh, here there we are. Um, another pretty wait, wait, interesting wait. thing that I wanted to get your feedback on. Wait, wait, wait! One second, one second. Pausing on
2: the controller. They're made for VR controllers. Like they are yeah. Yeah, made. Right. They have a silly name, but they are not wands. They are not they re- They're not Dual Shock fours. They're not use your PS4 controller now in yes. VR on your PlayStation Five. Yeah.
0: Not repurposed. Are, you know, yeah. move <laughs> remotes. Basically, right. uh, you know, actual made for VR. In fact, has the uh, haptic feedback that you find yes. in the the triggers of the. Uh, Of the dual sense controllers so it's going to have a really trigger and all that sophisticated uh, force feedback and as i was about to say the headset itself which is i believe a first for vr will have some sort of feedback vibration in it itself so your head will actually be vibrating uh, which i'm very interested to to feel how that i'm getting that massage game i am getting that
2: barbershop massage game you there know are a <laughs> lot of
0: there are a lot of like meditation vr apps so you know it could be like a get a massage get a head massage that'd be cool
1: i'm waiting uh, for the uh the bonk vr revival <laughs> <laughs> there you go where you play as the
2: characters bonk killed like you're getting actively bonked not
1: <laughs> who's <laughs> got the uh turbo graphics
0: 16 licenses you know that's my question
1: actually you know i was joking but one of the first pc uh psvr games that came out was uh was it called head headmaster or something like that?
0: Oh yeah. The, the soccer, soccer game, game where you're which doing was, head Which was
1: cool. So yeah. yeah, I mean, that's still, yeah, that would be really
0: cool. Maybe they're making a sequel to that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> could be,
0: could be. Uh, well, the one game we do know, uh, which I think was a big shocker to everybody was there is going to be a game in the horizon franchise. We know horizon forbidden West is coming. This is not a port of horizon forbidden West. It is actually its own unique game. It's called Horizon Call of the Mountain. Uh, and we just saw a, a little glimpse of it. So, Danish, this is your story of the week. I think you can imagine it's probably my story of the week. Oh, no, mm-hmm. his, was,
2: his, his was the cars.
0: Just oh, yeah. be yeah, clear. It was his story was, bone his there. there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, tell me, I, I know that you uh, are a fan of, of VR when it works well. Uh, tell me what your... Reaction to this announcement was, and, and in particular the the Horizon game footage. What did you make of that?
1: Oh, I mean, it was it wasn't much, but the, it looked great from the little bit they showed. Um, I played PSVR a ton when it came out, and I used it all the time. Uh, I just liked. I think for for a long time, it had the best library of VR games. And I think you know it was eventually surpassed by Quest and and stuff. But uh, but that's what I'm actually looking forward to the most is just. The software, um, the headset itself, you know, I think it's the, the specs are awesome. It's going to be tethered, but it's just one single USB-C wire from the headset to the console. So it's not the breakout box that was always kind of a pain uh, in the previous version. Yeah, so that's great. There was even rumors that there might be like an add on uh, wireless solution for extra money. But I think it was a smart call actually to, to not include that just to keep the price down and a single cable is totally fine. In fact, you know, I use a Quest a 2. And I tether it to my PC when I play PC games, so to me, that's kind of par for the course. I I don't have any issue with that whatsoever.
0: Yeah, the biggest feedback that I got on Twitter when I was doing cartwheels on Twitter about this announcement is people being, "Oh, I'm so bummed it has a cord," and and I'm kind of in your camp, Danish. I believe that it was a smart move to have a cord, and I'm kind of glad it has a cord. I think it, I think it's going to ultimately have fewer problems that way yeah. for end users. And I, 95% of the VR stuff that I do, and I, I do a lot of VR stuff, uh, these days I, I do get in the Quest and I use it uh, fairly often, but most of the time I'm using my Index, which has a single cord coming out the back, and I do not find that cord to be problematic. I mean, if yeah. I'm going to play games like Beat Saber and and I'm, you know, or some sort of fitness game, yeah, I, I'll i probably be in the Quest to do that. But the the kind of games that I think the PSVR two is is going to shine with, like Horizon game, I don't think the cord is going to be that big of a deal. And I actually think the fact that we'll have these much more robust visuals right out of the box, and that you won't have to deal with any kind of potential wireless issues, uh, I think is a is is going to be a plus.
1: Yeah, the other thing, kind of go back to the software thing, is um, you know for a while Oculus was creating. PC VR games for their uh, original Rift and uh and then they kind of now are all in Quest. And I think you guys had maybe speculated this that like Lone Echo 2 might be the last kind of big marquee release for PC VR. Yeah. Um so it's so it's great that the that Sony is coming like kind of stepping up with that sort of, you know, demographic of, uh, yes. of hardcore kind of games and high fidelity and like immersive, yes. you know that sort of thing. So that's that's what's really exciting about it.
0: Yes, I completely agree. And I think we're gonna see it, it be backwards compatible. And I think a lot of these games that were a little overlooked that are really, really great, like uh uh Blood and was it Blood and Wine? Blood and I want to say blood and wine. Truth. Blood and wine? Blood and truth. Yeah. Blood and wine is something else. Uh Blood and Truth. A really great game that was in cool. VR. That was really good. Yeah, yeah the cool. people overlooked. I mean, I think AstroBots is going to be great on this new headset with the new controllers. uh I'm I'm really excited to sort of revisit some of these excellent first generation PSVR games.
2: Yeah, they they didn't confirm that though, right? They That's did not confirm it. Though. I just
0: I just think it'll be shocking if it's not because the the system is backwards compatible with most PS4 games anyway. It doesn't seem like it, it, it's a much of a leap to imagine that it'll still be backwards compatible and just use the new headset um also, i
2: don't know I, the, my only pause for, i hope you're right um i hope you're right two pauses for concern there one is just sony this gen and backwards compatibility this isn't you know uh xbox current approach to you have your library you get the best version of the game blah 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 like there are still upgrade fees some games aren't backwards compatible yes going to ps4 most of them are but um without upgrades it's not like you get an instant upgrade um for those old games and then i'm curious if these new controllers would require extra work to make compatible um or if it could just read them as if it was a wand or a dualshock 4 I, i hope it's easy to do and it's just kind of plug and play but i'm a little concerned that it might be a little more difficult and i don't know if they'll put in if it is if they'll put in that effort but again just speculation
1: I can't imagine they wouldn't. It's it's like, you know, one of the one of the the most important things is your library. And when you're launching a new device, uh you want as many games on there as possible. And so like the cost benefit analysis of of doing whatever work is necessary to bring those up uh to work on the PSVR two, I think is gonna be worth it. Yeah. Uh, I want to call out one other game. Jeff, you mentioned some great games from the last gen VR. Uh Hitman 3. They, yeah. that is one of my favorite games from last year. I was so excited when they announced that like going to be playable in VR, but I didn't want to dig out my breakout box for the PSVR, so I didn't try it. But I am really looking forward to like putting that back up again uh, when when this comes out. Another game I'll throw in the pile too is Iron Man VR, which is oh, yeah, a game that was good. That
0: was one hundred percent held back by old hardware, and it may not you know it may not get a new shiny coat of paint, but even just better controllers. And uh, a faster frame rate. It, it, it may be a game that gets a bit a bit better an audience. I mean, I don't think it's a, a fantastic game, but it has fantastic elements. And it, I think it deserved more people to play it. Um, yeah, but there's a, a whole bunch to... of like, exclusive PSVR games already, right? I think that this can come out and have a, a pretty big, great backwards compatibility library if they decide to do that. And let's talk about the game that they did announce, which I think points to the level of interest that they're putting into this product, right? They're not, this isn't going to be, uh, I, I don't think that they're going to be, you know, sloughing off in, in doing just kind of little you know, small projects. I think, you know, you saw it with, with PSVR one big game, you know, resident evil, they were doing, you know, they, they, these, they were big games that they were putting You know, blood and truth is a big meaty experience. It, you know if they're going to put one of their mar- biggest marquee franchises front and center on this thing horizon i think there's a level of quality that will be expected from that that i think really has me excited for more products that will be announced as they as they move down the line and horizon i mean obviously you're not pl- they, i think they confirmed that you're not playing as Aloy in this game in the vr game but horizon's all about using a bow and arrow and using a bow and arrow in VR is pretty darn fun. So I can't imagine it, there won't be some cool bow and arrowy stuff in that. You know, taking down mechanical dinosaurs and beasts and stuff. And imagine the, climbing
1: up them like to was, climb. Just, oh, amazing! Yes,
0: yes, all of that. I'm super excited. For. <laughs> um, Christian, what is your what is your take on this?
2: Yeah, Sony. Uh, th- The opposite of what I was saying about backwards compatibility uh, and not having a great track record there. They've had a really good track record with almost all their devices of putting out marquee franchises on them. Yeah. Um, Even like the Vita launched with Uncharted and had a Resistance and PSP had uh, Gran Turismo. I think it was PSP. Um, Like really big names on those, you know, ancillary devices, if you want to call them that. Um, so that's exciting. And I think coming out with Horizon is a big, a big swing. I, being a greedy, greedy boy, wish they showed more, uh, you know, of what yeah. that game is. But it did all the right things. It got me excited. Um, my biggest question mark right now. Oh, sorry. Before I get there, I have a question mark. But my thought to the backwards compatibility, if nothing else, I would love to see them do something similar with PSVR 2 that they did with PS5 and PS4. And if nothing else, have like a greatest hits collection.
0: Yeah. Like here's, um, cool.
2: you know, whatever four games, if nothing else that like, yeah. get a little up res, get a little frame Far rate point boost.
1: Robinson, yeah. the journey. Oh Far point was so good. So oh, good.
0: Yeah. These are great games. Dino uh, frontier. Dino frontier, frontier would be great. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and, you know, uh, blood and truth and, uh, you know, Batman Arkham VR, like have like the, the, the coolest yeah. ones, you know, yeah, that and would then be great. my question
2: at this point really is price. Like the PSVR launched as a price-friendly, accessible VR headset, and it was awesome. I mean, it blew people away. Even looking back on it now with like the breakout box, as Danish mentioned, it was it's cumbersome to like reset up. But at the time, it was dead simple. Yes, it used old tech, but it was a PlayStation Eye. And I mean, they had, you know, uh, walkthroughs online about how easy it was. It was just plug in this breakout box. Everything was labeled, plug it in. Here you go. At that time, the uh, Oculus was two, one sensor. If you were doing seated, if you were not, you could do two to three. Uh, Vive had you drilling into your, you know, wall like four USB C. Not I'm exaggerating. And they're like three USB 3.0 ports, which a lot of computers maybe didn't have when the, first oculus launch like it was yeah. cumbersome and difficult to set up and psvr really simplified that and now this with just a standard USB C also looks to simplify it but that price point i'm super curious if it will still be the affordable vr headset because meta is is swinging you know they came out swinging when they were facebook uh with oculus's uh the quest's golly their names are just confusing now the Quest first and then the quest two being very accessible standalone devices and so if the psvr2 doesn't have a battery it's not doing internal processing it's offloading all of that to the playstation 5 you know is sony going to be super aggressive with this this thing and get it in like a 250 299 price point now 399 say no is those controllers seem super sophisticated in a PS5 controller is what 70 bucks. So I'm I'm nervous about how much cost.
0: I'm saying it right now. 399 November. That's that's the price point that's what it's going to come out as.
1: PSVR1 came out at 399. Yeah. The Quest came out at 399. I think that's definitely it. Yeah. Um I can I think it the the savings you're talking about of not having a dedicated hardware on the headset like graphics processing that's kind of offset by the other things you mentioned, like the controllers and stuff. So I think it kind right. of is a wash and it's probably just going to be, yeah, it's, it's a proven price point that they see on a spreadsheet that says, this is a price that sells well. And is, you know, I don't know. I think, I think it's what it is. They sold 6 then- million
0: PS VR ones, which is not, you know, is not the 27 million PS fives they've already sold. Right. Or whatever we're at now. And not the hundred million PS fours they sold, but it's not shabby, right? And I th- I th- I think that's what you're gonna see. I think it's three ninety nine. I think it comes out November, October, maybe end of October. Uh, and I will be first in line and hopefully so all the available? All the, well, I think all I'm I was about to say, I hope all the, the uh supply chain stuff is at least manageable at that point so that we actually can get them. Um but I I'm super excited about this. I think the fact that you see a horizon game announcement in january for this means they've got other bullets in the chamber to fire Insomniac, like come on come on i wanted to come true yeah, I, and I we've already that. seen we're already seeing rumors <laughs> about half-life alex right i think that's just gotta happen uh but i also think there's gonna be some other really cool surprising stuff now here is what i almost predicted but it <laughs> okay. didn't but now i feel like oh there's a chance i don't think it's a big chance I don't think it's a big chance, but there's a chance. The fact that Horizon happened makes me feel like you grab your axe and you throw your axe and it flies out and it comes back to your hand. Uncharted?
2: You
0: get... <laughs> we got a God of War game coming out. Maybe there's, a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a companion <laughs> God of War VR experience in the same way. I mean, I tweeted at Corey Barlog and shockingly he did not respond to me uh but uh man if that's it, an official
2: like, no comment if you're writing that as an article it'd be like yeah, we yeah. reached out to cory barlock for he did not reply in time for press <laughs> yeah
0: yeah as of press time Corey has shunned me but uh cory i know you're listening buddy come on i know you can tell me i won't tell anybody um anyway i just feel like that as a vr experience throwing the axe having it come back to you there's already been a couple of uh of vr games like their names are leaping out of my head right now but i um uh was it azura's wrath Uh, anyway one of there's a game that kind of works like that already and it's so awesome so satisfying that would be really cool to have it be an official god of war type game and have the boy with you in vr oh dude, amazing or playing as the boy you mentioned bow and arrow yeah also
2: works really well like going his own side mission um
0: could be fun and then but the, the scale of god of war christian the scale when you when you're fighting a
1: giant god you know in vr and you actually see that scale ah it works you, know so well. it would be, you know what would be more likely and i would still be happy to accept is when the psvr came out there was a lot of games that had like side modes like um, The best yeah. example is Battlefront had the, uh, the the Rogue Squadron, you know, the VR kind of like cockpit thing, was so cool. So yeah. good.
2: One of the best space yeah. things and in the, it was just and, like and a and demo. Yeah.
1: Right. And then like even Tomb Raider had like VR, you know, temples yeah. that you can like. So if they even just did like a little side thing for God of War VR mode, I would be happy with that. And then, yeah, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I'm I'm
0: super excited about this announcement. I'm I'm glad it happened this early in the year. It feels like it's positioned for a 2022 release, not just an announcement. I feel like, you know, when you announce it at CES, it it feels like a this year product to me.
2: And only only if there was a studio that was a Sony first-party studio that had a great relationship with Marvel and, like, the main protagonist, like, used their hands Mm -hmm. to cast spells and if only that same studio had made a game we kind of already do that
0: yeah we were talking on text about this christian and i uh if if anybody has not played the unspoken and and has a vr headset i highly recommend it it's super fun the unspoken is basically doctor strange the game it's like magic but it exists in modern day new york city type alleyways it's like it's a no-brainer make the doctor strange game and then we got the rumor this week that insomniac was making a doctor strange game i'm like make it a vr game ah <laughs> oh, so cool but even like a spider-man in vr just like you were talking about danish like a, a like a
1: spider-man ancillary experience we were just yeah. swinging through new york a little well, bit there, you know that does exist actually on the quest yeah uh, there, I know. It, it was it's for cool. the previous movie it was for no way home or yeah far from home yeah. and uh it was actually great it was, it was really like five simple. minutes
0: long but yeah yeah
1: well, no, there was two of them. There was one for Homecoming that was like the five minute long one. And then the second that on one they did uh, was a little bit bigger, a little bit more uh, free mm. free roaming and stuff. But but yeah, it's there. And obviously, like we've talked, you've talked about it before. The Windlands is a great yeah, game. Um, so lots, of, lots of good swinging mechanic games. So yeah, it's a, it's a no brainer. Also, want to throw out there, snicked vr come on how about some wolverine action there you go might be a little bit a little bit brutal but i think it'd be pretty fun i mean i, I
0: ain't gonna i ain't gonna turn it down that sounds yeah. amazing yeah anyway i'm super excited about this uh, what a way to start the year um uh, really really cool great great story of the week Ganesh. thank you christian spicer what is your story of the week
2: uh we talked about it last week in terms of predictions and this, that, and the other. And while none of the uh, the prediction side of it is necessarily true, it was a prediction of yours a full year ago now, but it's about E3 2022. Mm. Coming out in January, they said that it will be on well, the in-person event is not happening because of COVID concerns. The headlines often from that were it will be online only this year due to COVID worries. Uh, the deeper uh, headlines to that from folks in the know is we haven't really heard anything about the online version of this either. And then like the Titan Slayer, he is Jeff Keeley with the tweet loaded, <laughs> loaded in the barrel, immediately fired out. Summer of Games is happening. <laughs> Happened as usual. But bam, right there, ready to go. So the the news is no in-person. The rumor is online, eh? And then Summer of Games happening away. Is E3, is this is this it? Is it donezo? Or is that online thing going to happen? It just hasn't happened.
0: Yeah, that is that is the question. Uh, there was some speculation I saw. Some folks, a uh, friend of the show, Mike Futter, tweeted that he had heard that E3 was not going to happen as an in-person event long before omicron was happening even though their statement said that it was uh mostly due to uh safety concerns uh, resulting from omicron futter saying that it, that is kind of a little bit of uh, covering their tracks and that uh, e3 was, was just sort of having issues and it, it was a problematic event and they were sort of downsizing and there, so many big publishers were pulling out that they were just going to do an online only so I don't know if that is accurate, but uh Danish as a game developer, what do you make of another year with no actual in-person E3? I mean
1: it's it's we, you guys talk about it every year like the death of E3 and it it is I I would actually believe that story that it was kind of like probably not going to happen anyway. Um yeah, it's tricky. I don't I don't I, it's everyone's kind of, you know, pu- having their own thing now, their own shows, their own uh, events at different times; they don't need to compete with anybody else. So, yeah, I see it. I see it kind of slowly going away. Anyway, um, the interesting thing is that GDC has not yet been canceled for this year. Yeah, and way. it's and, happening much sooner and much sooner, exactly. <laughs> and I kind of think the writing's on the wall for that too. I, I think they probably will cancel it. In fact, GDC was one of the first things that was in that time frame uh, in 2020 that got canceled. I was and, working uh, on
2: a, a. I can say this: I was working on a thing for that as that all happened and Uh, and back then it was was
1: danish me too (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. it was uh,
2: very fluid of like gdc really wanted to happen (laughs) that year and everybody was like i'm still working on this are you sure this is still happening (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you had your big
1: your big talk that year was yeah i had a talk that year that yeah it's too bad r.i.p
0: it's it's sad because you were like, well, maybe next year, and here we are, like three years later. It's yeah, like
1: yeah.
0: ridiculous. Uh, anyway,
1: so yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about E three. I I think it's it might do this for another couple years before finally just ending for good. So I don't yeah.
0: Know. Yeah. It's an it's an odd thing. It's a sad thing uh, for somebody that went to E three for many many years uh, and cherishes those memories. But it it does seem like a more efficient way to do things all around (laughs) you know just you know as we've been saying it kind of was happening already and and covid in a lot of areas of life and industry has been an accelerant to those kinds of transitions i think uh this e3 was kind of an albatross a a fossil a a remnant of a of a different time already as nintendo was showing and us, you know ea and microsoft were sort of pulling out and doing their own things. and not It was sort of this slow march to a digital uh, direct audience presentation model anyway. And now COVID has accelerated all that, and I don't think any of these companies are gonna go back and be like, you know what we need to do is pay the ESA millions of dollars to have a few people fly in and stand around in a space when we could just spend a fraction of that and create our own videos and the people we really want to talk to, i.e. our customers, will be tuned in directly. It's just, it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to go back. Um, so it's sad, I, but I, I think you're right, Christian, that Keeley is standing there going, yeah, dude, Summer of Games has been an, a virtual event from the beginning. There's no, there was no universe where Keeley was going to be like, I'm renting out a convention hall and inviting well, folks around, you know?
2: I, I mean, this. We've already done our, our bold and cool ranch, but I think when it is safe to do, I do think, I, not think, I could see Keeley throwing a heck of an awesome party. He likes having oh, people. But that's in a very different
0: thing. Yeah,
2: yes. No, I don't the, think it'll be like a every publisher is invited, but like a very hip influencer, some press, more akin to what yeah. EA was doing. It's the game
0: awards. The game awards. It's but like the summer version of that.
2: Rev- yes. Yes. Yeah. And I do like how it has progressed over the years to be a little more focused i think it i think it was the first summer of games uh for my taste was a little spread out where it was like it's wednesday and here's another thing and i'm like i can't i can't keep up with wednesday
1: i i agree the timing of summer games was was weird uh i would look at the schedules and i'm like oh that looks cool and then like wait when is that and yeah it, it was a little kind of sporadic So I like how
2: he's kind of made it – it's not all like a day or a week, but I do how – I think it was last year's was more kind of condensed around that because I do believe in that side of gaming still being important to the – not necessarily get on CNN or get on like mainstream news, get on Fox or whatever, like get on – get in USA Today cover story. I don't think it necessarily needs that. Gaming is already a huge you know form of entertainment media, but I do think there is something to – the big celebration the big guns are coming out swinging kind of like what keely did you know a few years ago when he had the heads of of microsoft nintendo and sony on stage together stuff like that i do think is important and i hope you know whoever does it whether it's keely or some form of the of e3 that continues to happen as we move you know even more digitally and self-produced
0: yeah i mean uh Pouring out for E3 again, I guess. Um, and we we shall see uh, if other conventions follow suit. If if we have a GDC, if we have a Gamescom, et cetera, et cetera. If it's or another PAX. year. Pax's, Yeah. Another year lost to uh, yet another variant. Um, we shall see. Uh, all right. Before we get to my story of the week, uh, I do want to thank our first sponsor, which is Wealthfront. You know, it's the new year, 2022. And the beginning of a new year is a pretty good time to finally start to look at things you've been putting off, like workout routines or improving your life in some way, or maybe just thinking about your financial future. You don't even have to get off your couch. You can check out Wealthfront.com. You can start investing In no time with Wealthfront's classic portfolio or make it your own with things that you actually care about, like socially responsible funds or technology or crypto trusts or hundreds of other investments. Wealthfront was designed by financial experts to help you turn your good ideas into great investments without the hassle of doing everything yourself. You don't want to spend hundreds of hours trying to lower your tax bill. They help you do that. Not sure how to rebalance your portfolio? or even what rebalancing a portfolio is, they do it for you automatically. Wealthfront is trusted with over $28 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. And the best part is their product is so simple yet powerful that it has a 4.9 out of 5 stars in the Apple App Store. To start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, Go to Wealthfront.com slash DLC. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash DLC to start building your wealth. Go to Wealthfront.com slash DLC to get started today. All right, my story of the week. Boy, I got some juicy ones to pick from. Um, I mean, I got to just mention this. This isn't my story of the week, but I got to mention there's another CES story that I have to mention, uh, and that is, NVIDIA announced a new GPU, the RTX 3090 Ti, which means if you have T. a video card. T. It, T. T, yeah, it's the T, like I know, it's the p- T. It means if you have a video card, we all know the message they're sending.
1: X makes it dirty.
2: Out of yeah. yeah. in the trash.
0: Yeah. I it. I yeah. am silent. I to get it out of my house. Did you want? To, oh, oh, were you on the website clicking to try to get a thirty eighty? No, guess what? It's garbage now. Throw it in the trash. There you have it. Amazing. Throw it in the trash. The uh, <laughs> the new the new thirty ninety T. Which, if you want to call it thirty ninety T. Just use the T, I guess. You don't need an I after it if you want to pronounce it like T. I I don't understand. Anyway, it's a new uh, monster GPU, forty teraflops compared to the garbage thirty-six teraflops for the old thirty-ninety. Ah, four fewer teraflops. It's garbage. Anyway, you can't get them anyway, guys. You can't. The, <laughs> yeah. the, you can't even get the garbage now. This thing is going to be fifteen hundred bucks uh it expects to to tell everybody more information about when you won't be able to get one soon
2: and a 3050 which you also won't be able to get but it seems like a very nice price conscious i mean msrp price conscious card yeah um i, I it's easy to i mean we kind of did it with psvr also psvr2 also um it's hard to get stuff right now and that stinks I do like, and I've said this. I say this every time we bring it up. I like that Nvidia keeps pushing. I mean, I don't know what games will push a thirty ninety or thirty ninety T, but I like that they're pushing. They they still. Well,
0: what else it's are they going to do? That's how they. That's how they sell new things. Is they make new products that are better than the last one. I mean, it's the new Apple iPhone. It's the next Nvidia. They just come out with them so fast. If, if so it's, fast. it's so it's fast. It's it's ridiculous. Anyway, and
2: anyway, I'm going to your house to dig through your trash to get your <laughs> 39. No, just kidding. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, you won't be able to get these. But Nvidia, if you're listening, I'll take one. <laughs> anyway, that's not my story of the week. Story of the week is, I think, really interesting, and I'm particularly interested to hear Danish's reaction to this. Uh, we had um, both a tweet that sort of went viral, and then a uh, a, a podcast interview. Um, with a uh, friend of the show, David Jaffe, on his podcast, um, this is with the the um, the one of the directors uh, that has left uh, studio Bend or Bend Studio, I guess it's called, uh, that worked on um, days gone and talked about how that game actually sold comparable to what Ghost of Tsushima sold which is about 8 million copies yet the perception of days gone is that it was a flop and a and a disaster and in fact even internally sony evidently viewed it as a disappointment and this tweet also
2: came out that sony tweeted a very public congratulations on you know hitting 8 million sold Ghost of Tsushima kind of like that was celebrated pretty widely by corporate account, which I think, um, you know, was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, to get these public statements about, about Days Gone.
0: Yes. Uh, this is Jeff Ross, by the way, not the noted insult comedian, but the, uh, the former director, uh, of Days Gone at, uh, at Bend, uh, who has since left Sony, um, and is uh is kind of talking out of school a bit about this. I, I can understand being frustrated by that. I, I evidently uh Ross said that uh after Days Gone came out, that Bend pitched a Days Gone sequel. They wanted to have the you know customary like sequel that really realizes the promise of the first original new IP game. Um you know, a la sort of a, an Assassin's Creed or or what have you. Um, and that Sony was just completely uninterested in a sequel to Days Gone. Uh, and he actually mentions that they tried to pitch him on a siphon filter reboot. Okay. Which is interesting. Uh, they said I'm, they weren't... Li-
2: I'm, I'm listening again now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and another game, I can't remember what the other game was. What was the other game that they that they tried to pitch him on? Uh oh
2: there man, was talk what, of a resistance open world Oh, yeah, that's what it was. was open world
0: that. resistance game. Yeah, they pitched open world resistance. And this is before Halo went open world, obviously. Um, but that was nixed as well. Ooh,
2: wipeout VR. Ooh, sorry, I'm back at VR again. Wipeout VR. I want that again. I want to be able yeah, to that, that happened again already. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh Danish, I'm very curious what you make of this. Um the you know, I I I guess there's sort of a a, a bit of a code not to sort of kind of talk about this stuff out in the public, but Jeff Ross is now unemployed by these folks, so is talking about it. And the idea that this sold comparably to a game that's, you know, garnered all these awards and awards talk and is sort of the crown, a crown jewel in Sony's uh, repertoire, yet this game is considered to be a failure. What do you feel about that as a developer yourself?
1: It's it's tough. I mean, I, I completely sympathize with his kind of like perspective because it it must feel pretty bad if you if uh, you see Sony you know tweeting something like that. Uh, so I don't blame him whatsoever. But at the same time, there's just so little information. I I can't I can't really have an opinion because it's like, well, I don't know what the budgets are for those two games. Right. I don't know which one was more profitable. I do know that there is sort of like a pattern that can happen that some some analysts sort of like rely on of if a game is successful then the sequel is gonna be that more more successful. But if it's if the first one's a disappointment, even if the second one's great, uh, people are gonna think of the first one and maybe it won't be as successful. There's like, you know, some logic behind that. Yeah, that makes sense. There's there's just so many factors that like I'm not I'm not saying Sony's right. I'm not saying they're wrong. I just basically like it's complicated and, and there's no easy solution or an easy answer to it. The uh, you know, accounting, there's so many things that go into it. Um, it reminds me of like many years ago when Tomb Raider came out, the first Tomb Raider reboot, which was wildly popular and wildly successful. Uh, it sold 3.4 million copies in the first four weeks. And Square came out and said it was a huge disappointment. Yeah. Uh, they it was not their, you know, it didn't meet their expectations. And and everyone and th- i think it made news because people were really worried they weren't going to get a sequel back then um because it's like it's disappointment what do you mean it's amazing and it sold well it's like yeah but we wanted to sell 10 million so it's a yeah. disappointment so it's like all of that stuff you have to factor in the expectations budget all of this stuff so yeah it's basically there's there's no really good way to know the, you know, the inner dealings of this sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, I would add another thing in, and this is obviously just my outside perspective looking in, having no knowledge of the internal workings at, at Sony or Bend, but it does seem to for, to me to track that, in addition to all the things you said about how, you know, potentially they, the feedback they get, maybe they sold 8 million of them, but a big portion of the 8 million, you know, the, they did not get a, a sense that those people were, pleased with their purchase in the same way or,
1: or, you know there's, there's metrics about how like when the drop off happens exactly like, you know oh how much like, you play you know, yeah exactly like oh 50 didn't get to chapter four you know whatever like right. there's a lot of metrics like that and they so yeah there's so many metrics out there that you can't having the one number of like oh well it also sold eight million that's not enough to compare them i think yeah and then the other thing that i was
0: going to bring up which is from my outside my impression of days gone I think, you know, obviously is very subjective and very anecdotal, but I do kind of project it onto a larger group of people because I do think I'm representative, in my opinion here, uh, of, of a larger feeling, which is that Days Gone kind of didn't have enough of its own identity, right? When you look at it, maybe it sold 8 million copies, but it's sort of still, like, overlaps a bit too much with The Last of Us yeah. and it just doesn't feel like you know you look at Ghost of Tsushima it's like well Sony doesn't have anything else like that I mean it is the type of game they have a lot of but the look and feel the sort of branding the it it it, it can be represented very quickly and very easily and days gone what made it special i think was a harder thing to wrap your head around and as much as i respect the years of their lives that that the folks at Ben put into this and probably felt very passionate about the fact that they could make an even better sequel. It felt like, you know, it, it just doesn't have enough of its own sense of self. It doesn't, it doesn't stand out from the crowd enough. There's a billion zombie games. And what made this one unique? Well, I guess it's got that one actor in it and he rides a motorcycle and I don't know. It just it it felt like I could understand suits at sony or even creatives at sony saying you know even if we like this game and had confidence in it and it sold relatively well maybe it doesn't really fit in our portfolio anymore because we have too much that's already a bit too much like it
1: i think their big um kind of hook was the the world war z like mass hordes of zombies um, which is cool and pretty novel and stuff but yeah, it wasn't quite enough to, I think, rise above. And it's funny you mentioned Last of Us too, because before that game came out, I mean, even on back in the day, the Totally Rad Show, you guys called it uh, the Last of Us to make a zombie game,
0: uh, which, which was so good, so good.
1: But but they did carve out something with the sort of fungal look and the kind of the the, the clickers, like that was something pretty unique. And then just like the tone, yeah. the music, and the acting, everything else, obviously. Uh, so yeah, I agree with that. There, there's maybe just not quite unique enough.
0: Yeah. Christian, what is your take on days gone? I don't think either of us really played a ton of that game.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's unfortunate to feel burned, you know, by a former business partner who you trusted and gave a lot of your life to that stinks. Um, in my opinion, days gone did not launch as a great game. I tried it. When it launched, and it had its share of bugs, um, its share of issues, it was not as polished as Ghost. It, it just, it just wasn't. Um, it didn't review very well, um, and Ghost of shishimo reviewed extremely well, like across the board. And and Days Gone just didn't. It came out to kind of middling. Um, critical consensus reviews and I think as you both mentioned part of that is that it was it came out very close to the last of us part two um, in terms of mind share and it's hard to be held up against that even though days gone is much more or last of Yeah, Last of Us, too. Uh, Much more open-worldy and, um, you know, using the tech for that, where The Last of Us is much more narrow and focused and able to spend perhaps then more resources on higher-fidelity graphics. But there were just moments in Days Gone that just felt there's a lot of clipping, falling through objects, things that the AI wasn't as intelligent as you wanted it to be for this giant horde to be the compelling part of it. And it's unfortunate because as it got patched and fixed over the years and now on PS five with the um, 60 frames per second update, it's a much better game. And I think where it lives and dies now is less on the hordes. And I think what it's unique aspect is um, I mean, the horde is certainly part of it, but I also think it's pretty novel in how it handled um, crafting and survival. It is not rust by any stretch of the imagination, um, but it's crafting and survival is more of a focus in th- resource management than a game like The Last of Us, unless you play on the hardest difficulty or something like that. But it was a re- Days Gone is a really interesting kind of you know dipping your toe into the water of that style of game, and there aren't tons of those. Um, but yeah, it, it, it didn't review well. The general consensus around the internet is that it wasn't a great game. I know that there are some diehard fans that still you know loved it then and still love it now. But I think as Danish mentioned, it'd be hard, I think, to launch a sequel and not immediately be compared to yourself as a sequel to a mediocre game. uh, The only only
0: thing I'd push back on that is is I feel like there are examples of games. I was going
1: to say the same thing. Go ahead, Danish, then take it. No, I was going to say, like, yeah, Assassin's Creed is the prime example, Uh, you know. Uh, but the
2: first game was re- reviewed well and was loved. The second game just blew it out of the water.
1: Uh, I think the first game—I remember it being kind of mixed. I maybe I'm wrong with that. Um, but there's—that's the thing that's sad about this, and I totally, you know, kind of empathize. just in in game development, it's, it's true. Like you always learn and you always get better. Like your next game, you know, I I made fighting games for ten years, and I truly think every single game that we made was better than the one before it. And we were always pushing the envelope and you're always learning things and figuring out better ways to do it. And so I I have no doubt that a days gone two would have been great. Like seriously, it would have been great. So that, that is, that is pretty sad.
0: Well, I just, a a first quick look at assassin Creed one's reviews. I mean, the IGN review says it's a, a disappointing. This game could have been great. They gave it a
2: 7.5, and they gave Days Gone a 6.5. That's a big delta.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, a big delta. Um, Days Gone's Metacritic was 71. Uh, Assassin's Creed 1's Metacritic is 81. So the user score, user score on Metacritic for Days Gone is 8.4. User Critic Metas- <laughs> for uh, Assassin's Creed was 7-something so interesting
2: I, and i do there are probably examples of mediocre first games that get great sequels i'm not saying it doesn't happen i think the deck unfortunately it was a death by a thousand cuts for everyone to look at it it's struggling with being a little generic perceived think, as a little generic i think that's struggling my point with here also is, being perceived as mediocre whereas assassin's creed maybe was mediocre but was not generic it was a yeah. very cool sci-fi world that they set up that people totally true.
0: love that was my entire point is that like Assassin's Creed has something they can sell. Oh, there's this dude with mm. this hood. He's got these knives that shoot out of his hands. Nobody else has that, right? And I think that that days gone is like there's a guy in the post apocalypse. He's got a motorcycle. Oh, you mean Joel? No, n- n- <laughs> no, no, you know, oh, cool. It's a Walking Dead game. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh. I think that the only reason that I bring that up is because I think we under, uh, not undervalue, but but under-recognize how big of a deal it is in this crowded landscape to just have something that sticks in the imagination. Um, I think, you know, yeah. Danish knows that. He's a designer. He knows that. Visual, I'm excited for, uh, literally a visual designer on our <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
2: Whatever Ben does next, I'm excited. I love them on handheld. You know, they did a lot of great handheld games. Um, and I think Days Gone had a lot of promise. Uh, I'm curious what their next game is, but we've seen it with, you know, other... big console devs. You know, it's been years before we got another Rocksteady game. Uh, It's like, it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Game development is hard. How bummed are you? There's no uh,
0: open world resistance game. I feel like you would have been all over that, Christian.
2: My understanding was that they, I I don't know who pitched who on that, but yes, I would have loved that. I love Resistance. I'd love to go back to that franchise.
0: I I think according to the story, uh, Bend pitched Sony on it. They had like all these cool ideas about it being open world and Sony was like, "Mm." Yeah. We shall see. All right. Uh, enough news. Let's get to the games that we have been playing in a segment we call the playlist.
1: Ooh, what this, we could tell, us.
0: Ooh, what this? We could tell us on the playlist. All right. You heard me mention it in his intro, uh, but we have taken as a part of our vernacular to Danish a game, which is according to you danish uh you're the one who coined it
1: yeah for yourself Uh, did i i don't even remember um it's basically loving a game and then walking away from it and never playing it again (laughs) it's yeah it's okay to it's not i think to danish
0: a game is to uh is to not overstay a game games welcome but also not have your play time reflect poorly on the game itself
1: right <laughs> right right <laughs> uh, the best example of this is um la noir that was like the yeah, first game where right. i did this with where i loved la noir i finished, and it was great because that game had like cases and so i did you know whatever two or three of the cases like halfway and then i'm like this is awesome i'm done uh and then walked away and then because people were like oh yeah it starts off great and then it you know it whatever the ending yeah. and, so I'm like, okay, well, it didn't didn't apply to me cuz I didn't finish it, so I love that game.
0: Yeah, Eleanor so, yeah. is an amazing game if it had ended before you get a job working for the fire investigator. I think arsenal. that's exactly
1: where I stopped. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I've heard that, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: you're like you like start with the Black Dahlia and it's like this full complete thing and you get to the it's end you're awesome. like, "Wow, that's amazing." And then it's like, "Now you're promoted to this other department and <laughs> you're like, "Wait, this game's still going?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Anyway, also, I, I also want to say it doesn't have to be like love. It, it's just stopping playing a game, but not because you hate it. That's because, like, there's some games which I liked, but I'm like, no, I'm good. I liked it. Yeah. It was good, you know, and so move on. Moving yeah, on. I
0: think this is you can finish a game or you can Danish a game, and neither one means that the game was bad.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, I say that because you have a, a number of games on your playlist I'm very excited to talk about. Where would you like to start?
1: How about that Wordle, guys? You guys Wordling?
0: I mean, I guess I said, it's required now if you're on chat. Twitter.
1: So,
2: yeah, we got... We
1: have to at least I muted it.
2: I muted it on Twitter. Wordle no longer exists. And I'm a happy, happy boy.
0: Here's I, what I uh, discovered, Christian. I, I was in the I resent Wordle thing as well. But then I... In tweeting about it, I was educated that it is literally one dude who made the game. And he is not charging... He's not getting income from it in any way. Which is... I got to kind of tip my hat to that because I felt like it was this pyramid marketing scheme that I was being (laughs) somehow embroiled in where it's like everyone in my timeline is wordling and I know I have to. (laughs) But now I I have no ill will
2: towards the dev, the game. I'm just a big fan of owning your social media. Delete comments, mute words you don't want to see. Make it yours. Make it how you want it to be. Yeah, I have NFT muted.
1: Yes, same. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It's so good.
0: Well, you're. But anyway, it's, on the, you're missing out on the NFT I coined from this conversation. <laughs> uh
1: it's a great game. We don't need to talk about it, but basically, it's uh, it's funny because there was like I don't know 24 hours before I knew what it was, but I would see my timeline filled with weird squares, yeah. and it was very culty and strange. And uh, but then I, as soon as I played it, I'm like, okay, this game is brilliant. It's like Scrabble and Boggle and Word Jumble and everything mixed together and yeah, it's great. Um, I mean, the
0: the genius element of it, I really respect the fact, despite that, the fact that it is annoying when you're not in the cult, uh, I do respect the fact that, that it has come up with a, such a simple and brilliant way to, to, to let someone brag about how they did without spoiling the experience for somebody else. That's, it's an amazing, that's an amazing thing.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's amazing. Uh, I just love kind of like, I don't know what you want to call it. the artifact of it, just like you see this stamp and you know every step of the way what happened. Uh, There was uh, this thing I wanted to do for a long time uh, back when I was working on fighting games where uh, actually we did kind of do it a little bit in in MK11, but every hit you take, whether it's a high, medium, low, block, super move, every category, the slices of health that it takes off gets categorized into those buckets. And so Mm -hmm. if you see a health bar, you can look at these slices of colors and see exactly how you died or exactly how you won. So that's something that it's a cool, I love things like that. And Wordle is exactly that. There's like six steps and every step you can see, okay, they didn't get any things right. Oh, they got one, one yellow means the letter was in the wrong spot. They got one green and, and it's just fun actually to, to see how they came up with it. There's, it's always hilarious when you see like a stack of green that's with the one first letter wrong every single time. And it's like, yeah, they were, that guy was struggling. (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah, it's fun. Anyway, it's, it's great. It's taking over and, and it's only one a day. And that's actually yeah. another genius thing about it, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, you can only play so. it once, once per day. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got?
1: Anyway, uh, a couple of quick things before we get into the meat of, uh, our playlist that I'm really excited to talk about, uh, Resident Evil Village. I've, I've been kind of catching up on some other games over the year. I'm playing, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, Resident Evil Village. Uh, I'm really getting into Village. It's awesome. It's so much fun. I'm playing with my 12-year-old daughter. She's watching while I'm playing, and it is a blast. Like, we're having so much <laughs> fun, like, kind of going through these creepy things and me, you know, like, pretending like something's jumping out, like, you know, edge like playing in a cinematic way where I would, like, edge toward a door and kind of corner it slowly just to build anticipation for her. You know what I mean? So that, that was yeah. super fun. And then when things jump out. It's always hilarious and uh, having lots of laughs. There's obviously anyone who's played the game knows there's an ongoing running gag, I guess you can call it, of uh, the main character, Ethan, getting his hand disfigured in a myriad of ways and that's hilarious and we always uh, laugh about that so anyway that's a great game uh, i rick i guess i recommended to play with your kids uh-
0: <laughs> play resident evil with your kids
1: mortal yeah. Kombat dev recommends kids
0: yeah.
2: play resident evil
0: <laughs> it's, hilarious. it's hilarious it does kind of remind me of how i played resident evil 2 in my dorm room with all my buddies where i was like you know, somebody driving and like four other guys sitting around all just leaping out of their chair when something scary happened. Uh, it's very I, fun to play games like that.
1: The game is gorgeous. Obviously it's incredible looking. Um, but I think that like the, the enemies and stuff, like it's still obviously a video game. And I think that creates a little bit of a disconnect where it may not be as scary if exactly those things were replicated in a, in a movie. It's not right. human actors with makeup on and like that sort of thing. So That's why I feel like way more comfortable like showing my daughter that sort of stuff. Um, The equivalent horror film, you know, I don't think we would watch, but uh, it, it, and also Resident Evil is very silly. It's very, very silly. And, and I think they, it really works for it. Like silly characters and, and ridiculous things that happen. Um, So yeah, the, the tone of it is, is, is very funny. Like Ethan is a idiot <laughs> like he the just
2: worst. He it's the worst he doesn't understand person. anything
1: um <laughs> and but that's that's great it's it, like for a while i was wondering if like do they know what they're doing and i think they definitely know what they're doing so yeah yeah i think it's fun honestly i think
0: i don't know this to be true but it, i sense that it started out with them trying to be completely serious and then they just leaned into the camp a bit probably, you probably
1: know? Although there is pretty campy stuff even in RE4, you know? Yeah. Like going all the way back. So I think they always had a little bit of that.
0: Right. So, yeah. Resident Evil 8
1: Village. What else you got? Uh, So it's funny. I think the first time I ever came on DLC, I talked about Jurassic World Evolution, the park builder, and here I am talking about Jurassic World Evolution 2, which uh, I was so happy when it came out. I waited. I didn't play it right away. I was busy, which was great because I got it on uh, a, a you know holiday sale for 30 bucks. Uh, totally worth it. Um, yeah, it's, it's more of the same. Not, you know, I think that the first game got a little bit of criticism for being simplistic, but that's actually what I like about it. Um, I also, just like yourself, recently really got into Age of Empires. And again, I think it's just like stripped down and clean and And that's kind of what this game is, too. This park builder that's fairly simple, but not so simple that it's boring. Um, They also have a cool twist where it continues the plot of the movies. So uh, in the latest, you know, spoilers for the latest movie where all the dinosaurs are escaped now. So they are just roaming free across the earth or whatever. And so that's actually a really cool mechanic that they've woven into this game where There's a whole part of it where you can go and, like, find dinosaurs in the wild and, like, airlift them up and bring them into your park. And uh, it's, like, a cool way of doing it. And, like, sometimes they escape into the wilderness. and You got to go, like, take your Jeep and drive down these, like, hilly, you know, forest areas and, like, track them with, like, broken... It's all kind of, like, canned. It's not really immersive or, dy- or it's not um emergent or dynamic as much but still like you're playing through these sections and i don't know i, I still like it i just like little dinos you know mess around with little dinos and their little pens it's it's, it's fun
0: so that's drastic world evolution 2 isn't that, is that on game pass i thought it was uh when i think of a different dress
1: the second one i don't think maybe the first one was at some point mm. but
0: yeah All right. Uh,
1: Yeah. Okay. So moving on, uh, another game that was on a lot of game of year lists was Chicory, A Colorful Tale. And I was really curious about it. I thought it was a really intriguing idea uh, of painting the world. And um, so what I actually did, uh, you know, I'm an artist for my day job. So I have this like, you know, Cintiq type tablet thing. So I dragged the window to that and I had my pen and I was actually coloring it with my actual pen on the Cintiq and oh, play wow. the game, awesome. which is so cool because like it's meant for mouse. So you you hover over things and you click on the thing and you color it. Uh, but it just I don't know if they planned it or just because it works with the mouse and the way the Cintiq works, you can do that. You can just color things and it's that, that was so fun for a while.
0: What a neat but, idea! Yeah, that's cool.
1: My issue with the game is that. Um, I think, again, this is a very biased opinion coming from me, especially when I have my Cintiq set up to do it. Like, the fidelity of the painting is not really meant to be, like, that high, you know? (laughs) And so, like, I want to color it in the little corners, and I want to, like, shade. You can't do any of that. It's a very simplistic paint-by-numbers thing. Um, Also, the the puzzles are pretty interesting. They're pretty cool. But um, because the whole world starts off in this black-and-white drawing, some of the Puzzles are kind of a little bit hard to see sometimes. Like, you have to really look at it. It's like, oh, okay, so that's a flower that if I color it, it shrinks down. And that's a flower, if I color it, it grows. And you use that to create platforms and stuff. Um, it's nice. I probably am not going to stick with it. Um, I didn't hate it. I think it's a nice, uh, pleasant game. So I. Uh, but not officially... a game of the
0: year candidate for you.
1: No, not really. Yeah. Although, I, I, if I stick with it, I, I can totally see how it's crafting an interesting narrative and stuff. But. Uh, you could put this one in the danishing category
0: <laughs> you danished it all right that's chicory a colorful tale uh it seems like it i don't know if there's plan for this but it seems like it would be something that would be cool on like an ipad pro with a stylus oh totally you know, kind of give you that centi uh, thing for yeah. the average user
1: anyway yeah they totally should all right uh last thing this is i've been playing Death Store. i love it i beat it I listened to Christian rave about it on the podcast and, and and really encouraged the post game. And so I did, I I played through all the post game and I thought it was awesome. And Christian was totally right. Like that, the way they mix up the formula and like most of the enemies are gone and you're doing like cool little fetch questy type things, but you meet interesting characters. It was like one of the coolest kind of post game things, which I I normally don't do. Um, And then, and, and also like there was like a big final ending and stuff. The last thing that you have to do in the post game for that game is collect these 50 seeds and there is no tracking whatsoever. And that is an egregious say <laughs> <sin>. unacceptable, unacceptable. <laughs> I got so mad when I realized this, They're, what are you supposed to do? Like if yeah. you have, so I, I like, okay, well, let me start. Maybe it's like not that bad. And I kind of playing for a couple hours and like the, the one thing they do is when you collect everything in an area, that door starts to glow. But the problem is that it doesn't just count those 50 seeds you have to collect. It's also all the other super hidden, like f- collectible stuff. So like you have to literally a hundred percent it, but you can't even just do the minimum final quest thing. So anyway, I was super, super mad about that. And I just wanted to rant about it because that just drove me crazy. Like, why wouldn't you just put a little counter in there? Just help me out. I mean, it literally doesn't even count to fifty. No, there's no track. It doesn't tell you where you're missing. Like, you could conceivably get fifty-nine out of the or forty-nine out of the fifty. Actually, now that I think about it, it might even be more than fifty. But you can be missing one, and guides won't help you because. You don't know which one you missed. So you have to go through every single one. It's ludicrous, ludicrous, brutal. Why would you ever do this? Anyway, ran print over. Death story is an awesome game. It's one of the best games of the year. But (laughs) but that part pissed me off. But it has an egregious error (laughs) It shall
0: not stand. (laughs) Yes. All right. Amazing. All right. So we'll talk about the other thing that you've been playing uh, shortly. Uh, But Christian Spicer, tell me what's been on your playlist
2: it transitions well from death store i well uh, oh, i can say i have received i think we jeff we can say i know i can say i'm sure i don't want to put it in yours i have received a review code for god of war on pc i can say that um yeah, i've we also can both been playing <laughs> i uh, what so we can say we have it that's all we can we say we can say we have it yes indeed i've also been playing a lot of my analog pocket and a lot more Legend of Zelda: The Minish Cap, which I talked about on this show a couple a uh, couple of weeks ago, I think, and it's similar, I think, to Death's Door, perhaps. And I wanted to bring it up again uh, with Danish on this show. It's fascinating to go back and replay some of these older GBA games. I love the GBA. I love that library. I think Zelda and The Minish Cap is a game that is ripe for a remake. What it did with scale. The the premise of the game is you get this cap that can shrink you and it's the land of the minish and they're small. And even on the GBA on that old hardware, it was really cool the things they did with essentially like parallax scrolling kind of things where you'd shrink down and you'd be at the same area you just were, but now like a tiny little drop of water is an insurmountable obstacle, or vice versa. You can crawl under, you know, something uh that you couldn't before. And with the rise of games like um Oh gosh. What's the survival Xbox? Um, it's honey. I shrunk the kids just flew out of grounded. my head.
0: Oh, grounded. grounded.
2: No. Thank you. Grounded and bio mutant doing really cool things with that, like scale being a, you know, a little character in this big, big world. I would love to see Nintendo do something with this idea again, even if it's not Zelda. Cause I know there's not to be titled breath of the wild two that they're toying with, but I loved seeing it in the Zelda game. It was so fun to see how they did it in those puzzle mechanics. And I feel like it was a little limited based on the hardware it's on. Um, so I say that just to recommend play Legend of Zelda, the Minish Cap. I think a lot of people might've slept on it because it wasn't the best Zelda on the GBA. Um, but it's an, it's still like a 9.5 out of 10. You know, like it's like, it's not the best Zelda. It's still one of the very best video games. <laughs> it's just <laughs> not the best Zelda. But what I wanted to bring up with Danish, especially after Death's Door, what I find fascinating, and it's in some of these more common, I think, in these older games, the GBA did not have a sleep mode the way the Switch does now or the way even like your iPhone does for a lot of these suspend, resume your console. And so DS it was... Had.
0: The DS G- and the 3DS had,
2: yeah. Yeah, kind of just close it and and pop right back in. And so there were, you know, 42-digit... Alphanumeric passcode you had to remember save states on con uh, on the card itself, and then a lot of games would have these systems to try to get you back into the game to pick up where you left off. And so Zelda and the Minish Cap does a pretty good job of starting you in an area where you would be to be jumping back in. Like you can save anywhere, and it will track all your items, all of your seeds that you need to be collecting, but it doesn't load you right back where you saved it. And then your your hat. Your, your Minish cap will talk to you when you reboot the game, which I thought was very smart in terms of where am I? What am I doing? And i be like, hey, we need to get this element. It's located on the West side. Let's go there. And it's like this great, like, here's where I was. Here's what you're doing. This is the main thread you're on if you're lost. And then you go there, I'm using one vague example, and you get there and it says, you can't, you can't get here yet. You can't cross here yet. You can't do this thing. We must be missing something. And it's like, oh, okay. And then the next prompt the game gives you again, until you find the thing is, we need to go west to get this element. And so Danish, after my ramble, my question to you is kind of in this death's door tracking, giving you things, to what extent should a game handhold for you versus in a Zelda or a death's door, which is a Zelda-like style game, have this freedom because i think minish cap kind of does this it maybe feels frustrating by today's example except for the end game con- content for death's door of i did a thing then minish cap a very broad not spoiler but just broad comment about the game you do a thing and it changes something totally different about the the world somewhere else and it does the game does not tell you that happens the only way you find out that happened is you just have to re-explore the world because closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door, walk around. And so I'm curious coming off your death's door rant and kind of just in, in general, how you feel like games should balance that. Maybe even in a fighting game where it's like, I haven't played this in forever. Should it be like, hey, here's how you do an uppercut, <laughs> you know, like how, how much should it
1: reacclimate you to that world and how much should it just let you go play? Well, I think it's a great example from Zelda, actually. It was linked to the past. Um, they, I don't know if you remember, they introduced a thing called the fortune teller, where uh, you go to this fortune teller, and I, I don't know, I don't think it costs money, maybe a couple rupees or whatever. But it's like, okay, I, in your future, I see a shrouded, you know, cl- uh, foggy woods and this and that. And like, that's your hint system is this fortune teller. And in fact, Chicory has one of the best I've ever seen is uh, there's a a phone booth and it's like, do you want to call your parents? And so you pick up the phone, you call, and it's like your mom answers and it says in like parentheses, like you told her what's happening. And then your mom's like, oh, okay, well, you know, if that was me, I might just try to do whatever and some kind of vague thing like, you know, follow the sign or just keep going down the path or whatever. And then it says like you hear your father talking from off the phone, like, hey, hey, let, let me talk to her. And then like you could choose. Do you want to let your father on the phone? Yes or no. And if you say yes, he's like, "Hi, honey, it's me." Okay, so you got to go two screens right, one screen up. (laughs) Open the door. It's it's exactly what you have to do. And I thought, oh my god, that is genius. Uh, So you can choose your level of hints, which I thought, and and the narrative of it was just so funny.
0: The mom hint or the dad hint. Yeah, love it. So
1: good, so good, so good. Um, So I think that's the that's the solution. Like you want to kind of opt into those things at at various levels, and um, there's certain uh, games where. It's based on a timer. Like if you're in a puzzle room, I think Tomb Raider did this. Like if you're in a puzzle room and you've been there for 10 minutes and the designers determined like, this should probably only take you like five minutes or six minutes, uh, a little kind of like, you know, text will appear. Like, uh, would you, or some of them, it's even like, would you like a hint? Yes or no? And you can I say, hate no, no, that, I hate that, dude. I hate I, that. You hate I, it telling hate you or th- asking you?
0: I hate the time timer based version of it where A, it's always... Shorter than I would like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's only it's only shorter than I would like because I only hear it when I don't want to hear it, right? right? So it seems shorter <laughs> than, than I would like. But um I've always I always don't like those where I'm like I'm too maybe I'm like looking at something. I'm, I'm really having a great time in this room, and then it's like you know th- there'll be a character who's like, hey, I just look look in the corner or or something. <laughs> you know, it'll it'll do that thing where the communication is giving to me to player the player is like we think you're dumb or you've <laughs> wasted too much time here and then i'm like i resent that you know i go I, I don't i was having a good time until you made me think that i wasn't going fast
2: that's enough amazing and well, that's the okay. thing that the zelda franchise itself has has kind of waffled on right there's the hey, listen, a little more constantly instructive. And in chat, uh, I need to scroll up, but saying uh, other Zeldas have had other hint systems where you can call and kind of get these uh, these puns, that's funny, and get these hints. And Minish Cap, I think, tries to have it, right? And especially as a GBA game, I thought the solve was pretty unique in that it's on boot. Uh, And and of course, there's in-world stuff, right? You go to the village and you talk to the person and they give you some... (laughs) Just tell me what to do, Minish Mm. chief. Why do you have to be like on the wind when it's West? I get it. It's the (laughs) game. I love the game, but it seems funny in the moment when it's like, the world's going to end. Let me help you on two nights forth on which the (laughs) wind blows down. And it's like, okay, but on boot, it tries to give you a hint. And I think Jeff, your point is super fascinating because there is that fine line, right? Of like what each gamer wants and what's satisfying or not. And what's hitting you
0: over the head. Um this just happened to me by the way, with uh Halo Infinite because that game has a very aggressive you know your cortana or whatever her name is the mm-hmm. weapon, whatever her name is in this one uh says you know she 'll be like, Hey chief you know you gotta you gotta power on this elevator which it, the answer is always that you have to power on the elevator. Like there's never a time when it. the answer is not to power on, get a seed to power on the freaking elevator. But, um. Hey chief, this elevator has plenty of power. The, the so it, yeah, it's very fresh in my mind. That feeling of like, you know, coming in a little sooner than I'm ready. I'm running around mm. looking for weapons right now. I'm not even like <laughs> trying to solve your dumb puzzle, but the worst part, the worst possible version <laughs> of that, which happens in halo infinite is when it loops back oh, to the yeah. first message again. Oh, I hate it. I hate mm-hmm. it. When you've, you, you've done the, the three emotes that the, that the little character will tell you as hints. And then you loop back to the first one. <laughs> and again, and then there are times when I'm like, I genuinely don't know where to go. And now I've looped back to the beginning and I know <laughs> you are not helpful to me in any way. So here we are. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: Well, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say that. I mean, that to me, I'm very forgiving of it in Minish Cap uh, because it's an old game and it is a Zelda game, which I feel like is built to run, You know, it's exploring a cave when he was a child. Like it's built into that property, but ha- hitting this moment in it, it was it was eye opening for me from a you know designed voyeur standpoint of a thing happened. I never got like the do 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 and like it mm-hmm. pans across the map to then show me the thing that's gone. It's just like a thing changed go run around the world until you can find that thing um and how many games could get away with that today and and be viewed as would it be like cutesy and a throwback or would it be not tolerated Uh, and tomb raider is an interesting example too danish because it i forget which one if it's just the last one but you could turn hints were in uh difficulty yeah you could turn that yeah. stuff on or off like the shining the prompt the whatever that's totally and the I way think to go
0: better way yeah. to do it's super it super cool yeah
2: super super cool yeah
0: um uh, all right let me take a ahead. little quick break here and uh thank our second sponsor uh, our second sponsor is Mailgun. Mailgun is how modern companies work with email the platform's ease of use world-class support and powerful apis empower smart development teams to reach real customers at scale with a data-driven approach so their organization can grow faster. Send and track your transactional and marketing messages effortlessly. Prevent fake signups and remove invalid email addresses from your list quickly. Partner with email experts to improve your email deliverability and drive higher conversion rates. Today, Mailgun helps hundreds of thousands of companies and leading brands around the world provide connected experiences and drive smart results. Mailgun empowers companies around the world to solve complex communication problems. Through its powerful email API and intuitive email marketing solutions, Mailgun controls the entire email lifecycle from pre-deployment through delivery of over 240 billion emails a year for companies like DHL, Wikipedia, Toast, Lyft, and Microsoft. Our send time optimization capability automatically finds the ideal send time for each and every individual on your list at the time they are most likely to engage it's never been easier to build connected experiences start sending with mailgun today visit mailgun.com to learn more all right uh chris was there anything else you wanted to mention about uh your time with the gba i know you've been playing a bunch of games
2: Yeah, just quickly, and I know one of these does officially have a sequel, but it's several. But revisiting the GBA library, Mario Golf Advanced, Advanced Wars, which I know we're getting a Jeff was right, delayed port of of Golden Sun, just to name a few. There are people like to harp on Star Fox or F-Zero. Nintendo has a treasure trove of franchises. That are long dormant. I'm gonna throw Donkey Kong Country onto that pile also. I know we got Tropical Freeze, but that was a Wii U game. But man, Advanced Wars and Golden Sun.
0: Golden Sun got a sequel, didn't it? Wasn't there Golden Sun? Golden
2: Sun got a sequel on the GBA. Oh yeah. I would I would love to see some of those GBA era Nintendo franchises come back. That's all. I'm revisiting them on on my pocket and they hold up. There's they're fantastic games, just fantastic.
1: I put yeah, so I, many I'm, hours into Advance Wars. Advance Wars is one of my too. favorite games of all time. It's very, and I, very I, good. I, I super got into Wargroove, too. Great, worthy, spiritual successor, uh, which was on Game Pass for a long time. I don't know if it still is, but yeah. Cool.
0: All right. Uh, let, uh, let's talk about uh, the game that is on my playlist. Now, this is a long time coming. As listeners to the show know. But um, Lana Bashinsky. And Danish Syed both have, I wouldn't say pestered. What have I said? I I would say (laughs) encouraged. I would say uh, uh, reminded, incentivized, tried to uh, talk up a game called Outer Wilds to me. And this has always felt like a game I would like. It is in my wheelhouse. Both of these friends of mine who know me well have insisted over and over again that I would enjoy Outer Wilds. It is a game that has been very, very well-reviewed. There have been numerous emails and tweets that I've received from listeners of this very show that have tried to implore me to play Outer Wilds, and I have tried. I have tried. I purchased the game multiple times. I played it in VR. I thought, oh, wow. You only VR, need to gonna purchase it. it
2: once, Jeff. You don't need to keep purchasing it. No, I purchased <laughs> it multiple times on
0: multiple <laughs> platforms. <laughs> I don't know, maybe the platform was the problem. <laughs> I bounced I kept bouncing off outer wilds over and over again, even though i I, I wanted I wanted so badly to get that feeling that Danish and Lana had described of this this incredible experience, and I, and others other people have come on and just talked about how wonderful a game that was, but I just felt it was beyond my reach until Danish said, Hey, Jeff, I got an idea this new expansion for Outer Wilds has come out. It's called Echoes of the Eye. And according to Danish, he said, so many of the things that I didn't like or that caused me to bounce off of the game weren't really present in the expansion, i.e. utilizing the very cumbersome and clumsy uh, spacecraft that you have to do and and you land on these individual planets. And I found it very clunky and off-putting. And... Uh, he said, you kind of just go to one place mostly for the expansion and you're kind of there and it's cool and you don't have to, you know, go to a lot of different planets and, um, and you know, it's kind of self-contained and he said, it's actually, you don't have to have any previous knowledge of the first game, the base game to play the expansion. It's shorter. It's, give the expansion a try. And still I was skeptical until Danish said, well, I will be your Sherpa in this experience. We'll get on and I will, I will be your co-pilot. I will, I will ride with you. Uh, I actually, so
1: I said this to, to, to Jeff in a text the same day, maybe that Lana was on DLC. And then I then heard the episode and she said the exact same thing. Which yeah. I, it was so funny. Like she said, I'll be your Sherpa. And like, yeah, so we were both <laughs> uh, suggesting the same idea. So,
0: New year, new resolutions, new attempt, new me. I I do love you at
2: the dinner table with your family and your son's like, my resolution is this. And your wife's like, I'm going to do this. And Jeff, you're like, and I'm going to play Outer Wilds. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Basically, that's accurate. Um, So last night, Danish and Lana and I got on. I, I loaded up Outer Wilds. They got on Discord with me. I shared my screen. And we played for, what, four hours, I think? Something like that, yeah.
2: So when the next Riot game or Respawn game is delayed, I know why now. <laughs> <Jerry. laughs> <You're> Worth it.
0: <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, Christian, they were right. They were right. I, it, it, it The game is awesome. Is awesome. Well, well have, did
2: you go, is Echoes of the Eye awesome? Or is Outer well, wild? awesome? Well, I think awesome? now...
0: I do believe that I clicked into why the game as a whole is awesome and I want to you know I think we're going to play through all of Echoes of the Eye and then we'll go back and play the original game too because I now I sort of I get it, I grok it I I wrap sure. my head around it um and I I I see what's special about it and it's interesting hearing you talk about Minish Cap because a lot of those The things that you're talking about, the way you framed that conversation are directly applicable to Outer Wilds, which is basically, Danish described it this way. I did not. I think this is brilliant. Danish said it's basically a Metroidvania, except the new skills that you acquire is knowledge. So you're in a place... And in a, in a classic Metroidvania, you'll have things locked behind, you know, acquiring the missiles or acquiring the bombs or acquiring this weapon or that power-up or whatever it is. And then you walk by that area, you're like, I can't get there yet. But when I do, when I get those missiles, I'm going to be unlocking that door. And I'm going to go through there. And it's very satisfying when you finally do. And then you'd see it. This game is like that. It is, it is like a Myst-style puzzle-solving game. Except it's all sort of laid out before you right at the beginning. You can go anywhere and do anything. And the only reason you can't access any one particular spot before another particular spot is because you don't have the information required to do that yet.
1: And yeah, the, Lana described it as a giant escape room, which is also, you know, applicable.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: and you know, in some, you say,
0: some escape rooms, you have to solve one puzzle before you can solve another puzzle. Mm-hmm. Like the, the solution to the one puzzle informs the solution to the other puzzle, and that's kind of how it works here. And and I, you know, as much as fu- as much fun as I have in escape rooms, I worry that that description kind of undersells yeah, how it does. how cool Outer Wilds is, which is the storytelling is is pretty amazing. Um, it, it, you are discovering the story and it is, it is not dry. It is not, uh, it, it doesn't feel like a, 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 an escape room in the sense of, of, you know, it's just a puzzle that has a solution. It feels like, oh my gosh, I'm uncovering this really creepy slash exciting slash bizarre story that has, really amazing gobsmacking moments that I was, you know, exclaiming into my microphone as we were playing. It, it, anyway, go, it, you say something now, Danish, I've been, I've been talking about, <laughs> well, t- uh, yeah, I,
1: it does, it does take a certain uh, frame of mind to click into. And, and so when, when you said you, yeah, you couldn't click, it couldn't click with you. Like I was totally sympathetic. I, I, I got, I got where you were coming from because I, I had a little bit of that too. It took me a little while to get into the, the base game. Uh, when we were starting it up, um, one of the first things we, we kind of like say, Hey, we're not going to give you, so Lynn and I were watching, we try, we didn't really guide you in any real way. We just it's really subtle hints here and there, you know, but, um,
2: Wait, who was, the, who was the mom and who was the dad giving him, <laughs>
1: well, we, we, we actually had an offline chat going about, <laughs> about deciding what is or isn't a spoiler. And so, um, so we were coordinated, um, But one of the first things you do is you go to a museum on your home planet. And Jeff, you had said like, yeah, so when I was starting this game, it's like, I was like, yeah, yeah, museum, whatever, that's cool. I'll look at it later. Let me just get out into space and see something cool. And that's completely a relatable position to be in. I've done things like that all the time. So the first thing I said was when playing this game, like you have to kind of like role play a bit what you're in this game for is the environmental storytelling and this stuff. Like if you're the kind of person who is into like finding out about a culture or like the environmental storytelling of like reading the logs and like looking at pictures and and piecing together the world, like Every game does, you know, audio logs and different ancillary sort of world building things like Last of Us has little things written on pieces of paper, which is awesome. But in those games, a lot of that stuff is secondary, whereas Outer Wilds, it's the reverse. It is it is that is the game because that is the clues to unlock the greater mysteries. And so that was kind of my one piece of advice starting is like, that is what you're going to be doing. You can't skip that to get to the cool stuff because that actually That is the cool stuff. And so I think that helped a little bit too, right?
0: Well, I I will say, you know, having played the base game for maybe a couple of hours altogether, you know, and always kind of feeling, never getting in the groove of it, never really understanding it, seeing some neat things and then dying and then you have to start over, you know, it's a a time loop game. So the central premise of Outer Wilds is you're going to be doing things over and over again. And that kind of felt tedious to me. And, and, you know, the, the way you start out but here's the, here's my experience with playing Outer Wilds up to this point, which was okay. You start out in this little city. There's these people, and then you walk up to the people, and they're like, "Gobo Bibbledy Pants went to Fleebly Flop and saw the Gooby Spanks," and you're like, Oh, "None of that means anything to me." Well, check out the museum, and there's you'll see that Gobo Fleebly Flop was in the Gooby Spanks, and you're like, "I don't. This is all none of this has any context. I don't. There's no." I'm just going to get in my spaceship and go out into the space and see if anything cool. And then I'll come back here. If any of it makes any sense whatsoever. And I think where Danish is really right about the expansion is that there's really only one thing you need to notice at the beginning to kick off into the expansion. And then once you're in the expansion, it is immediately very clear why it's cool. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I'm, I, I want to spoil the beginning of the expansion of Outer Wilds' eye, uh, what is Echoes of the Eye. So, Christian, are you okay being spoiled a little bit on, on just the premise of the expansion?
2: I personally am okay being spoiled on the entire game.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to spoil the entire game. I'm just going to spo- spoil kind of the premise, which is a very neat discovery. So if you think you might play this game... And you want to go in cold, I totally <laughs> endorse that and would suggest skipping forward a, a couple of minutes in the podcast if you don't want to be spoiled now. Or go play it and come back and listen later.
2: Lana is saying in all caps for everybody to plug their ears.
0: Yeah, plug your <laughs> ears if you're, you don't want to be spoiled. All right. So what what you discover at the beginning of the expansion in a very cool way, like it feels like an actual discovery by you, the player. You have to, I'm not going to say how you discover it, but you discover that there's this other structure in the universe. You're exploring this solar system, this alien solar system. You are an alien in Outer Wilds and you're exploring an alien solar system. And you discover that that there is this new thing there that had been invisible, except in a very specific manner that you find it. And when you find it, you can visit it. And you discover, Christian, that it is a ring world like Halo has. And you go to this ring world, except it's actually a ring world, whereas as Danish was saying last night, Halo like is a ring world in that there's a ring in the sky box in Halo, <laughs> right? It, like it's Halo's the idea a beautiful of a ring. Sky world. Box. Yes. Huh? So it's like Halo is a beautiful skybox, is all it, it is. It yeah. is beautiful, and I totally dig the fact. But there's no sense of being on a ring world other than you can look up and see the world above you, right? But with Outer Wilds, when you go to Echoes of the Eye, this this ring world that you go to, it is moving the whole time. It is rotating, like like the idea of a ring world in science fiction is that it rotates to generate its own gravity, et cetera, et cetera. But the coolest thing about it, Christian is that it is a world with water all over it. So it's constantly moving, and you immediately get in a little raft, and you look up, and you see places that if you continue to go on your raft, you will get to. And so there's all this dynamic of like, oh, I can map out where I want to go by looking up or
1: behind me, and if I keep going, I can look to... Up will be where I was. It's the uh, Bethesda. If you see it, you can go there. But in the sky. <laughs> yes. You l- Looking up is looking down
0: to where you will be if you keep <laughs> going forward. It's so cool the way it works. And I'm telling you, that's just the beginning of how that particular concept is paid off in this game. Because then you start discovering all these places that are on this ring world. And basically, you're investigating the story of this place, right? And there are little structures that you can go into and places to explore. And the story starts, you start piecing together the story and solving puzzles and figuring out how to get to new places and doing all that sort of Metroidvania stuff of like, oh, my gosh, I see that awesome place. How do I get to it? Oh, you have to find out the rules or how things work or discover some other puzzle that allows you to get to that place. But it's all inside this very lush, beautiful ring world. That's all around you and above you. And you're actively moving through it and you're exploring all, all the parts of it. And then, I mean, and then the story is just awesome. I mean, it's an are we, alien.
2: Are we, pa- are, are we past the, the spoiler yes, for people yes, that are yes. past the okay, spoiler? Post- past the spoiler. We're past the spoiler. Quick question before we go to uh, story stuff. I'm curious, Jeff, if in your opinion, um, not having the ship, which I believe Lana mentioned when she was on as well, makes this more accessible or fun than learning the ship controls, which I think when people grokked, they loved. But I, I also think the devs made purposefully you crash a lot, you know, because you die and the loop starts again. So is not having that ship mechanic welcoming or do you think that you you now are hooked on this enough that that ship mechanic will be fun and rewarding also?
0: Both. I would say both. I think the fact that the ship mechanic is less prominent in this expansion allowed me an entry point in it because, I mean, Mm -hmm. Dennis, you can attest to this. Even when the little bit you have to do it (laughs) <laughs> in the expansion i was kind of cursing and not happy
1: yeah alan and i were were laughing and <laughs> it was it was great like the first time you docked to this thing you find yeah uh, he was rolling all over the place flipping and crashing but by the end of the night he was making yeah. sweet like you know docks uh just like landing you know uh without a scratch so yeah i i think I, I agree i i totally saw that It it's both yeah it's both and then so by the end i was like oh I
0: kind of get, I get how this works now and I'm I'm not so intimidated by it. So it it sort of was baby steps toward using it. And I think if I maybe had more patience or kind of understood the point, it is a game that just sort of throws you in the deep end and says, Hey, find out like, like, like Dennis was saying the the, the fun is in the looking around, soaking it all in, taking your time and being curious, right? And I think every time I tried to play this game, I was like, okay, this game is awesome. People <laughs> tell me this game is awesome. I'm going to find the awesome. <laughs> you know, and it was sort of like squeezing the rock, you know, squeezing the rock too hard and, and hoping some water comes out. It's like, no, you got to, you it's know, you got to hold it gently in your hand, you know?
2: Um, One, this is awesome. And I'm so glad that you had this experience. This is so fun. Uh, also, I wonder, Jeff, if it didn't take, it wasn't VR that made the game great. It was friends. Are friends better than VR? <laughs> it was the
1: VR
0: we made along the way. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, I I would highly recommend anybody playing with uh, two delightful people like uh, Lana and Danish, but uh in lieu of that, if if you're not able to have the wonderful hey, Danish, for this what do you game. what do you charge Danish? What's the what's your <laughs> man, Discord rate? A,
1: it's good side hustle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, in lieu of that, I think I think starting with the expansion is is definitely not a bad way to go. Um, I think there. I honestly think that that, man, it, it, just getting the the first little thing to get to the place. Yeah is huge, right? Cause that requires just sort of being patient and thinking about stuff and letting it happen. And the fact that they were able to nudge me enough to get to the, get to the awesome right away uh, was huge for me. Cause it was, I wasn't just bumbling around going, what is even fun about this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. I think that's super interesting. And kind of, like you said, it does tie back both to what Danish was talking about and, and then now talking about diminished Minish cap. Like what is that? The, you know, like the death store how many seeds do you have where do you go next and how do you find the fun and i think to this day portal and portal 2 are the games that have that i've played that have balanced that the best in terms of i'm so frustrated i'm never gonna i did it this is amazing <laughs> you yeah. know like right on the edge of that cliff of how far does the outer wilds Push you just to still let it be your experience, or how much freedom do they give you to then get lost or frustrated? Right
0: before you walk away, it's such a yeah, tough thing. To, it's such a tough thing as a designer, I would guess.
1: Yeah, like, uh, and that's that's it's uh, why the the DLC is, is is more approachable because the the number of things you can explore is slightly narrowed. You know that happened to me a, a number of times in the base game where I would be in this place and there's a, there's a very helpful like node based kind of like tree of what you've seen and what you've done. And it has notes and you can like, it's really helpful. Uh, it tells you like, there's more to explore here or, uh, or you're, you're done with it. And that, that that's how, you know, if you've moved on, uh, unlike death store, it tells you, uh, you check those <laughs> things off the list. Um, it also, it
0: also contextualizes what you've seen. So like, yes, you'll see something and you'll know it's interesting and cool, but then you can check your log and it'll spell it out and say, hey, I saw this
1: and this. And you're like, oh, that's exactly what I saw. Right. It's like you may have seen like 10 things that are interesting, but really two of those things are the most important. And those are the two things that are listed in your log. So it right. helps you narrow it down a little bit more. But um, so, yeah, in, in the base game, that tree is pretty wide. And I'll be in a location on a planet and I'll it'll say there's more to explore here. And I'm just kind of banging my head against the wall I don't really know what else to do. So then it's on you to like, okay, let me just break free of that and then go find this other, go just explore. And then, oh, okay, this is interesting. Let me follow this thread. And so if you don't have that kind of frame of mind of, of switching your tasks up, it can be kind of frustrating sometimes of like banging your head against the wall. So that's another kind of just the way to approach the game.
0: Yeah. So two, two more things I want to say about this game. I know we talked about it a lot, but. It really is a special game, and I want to reiterate that I think the the reason it is so special is because there are so many gobsmacking, jaw-on-the-floor moments in it. There are so many. So many. that uh, There were so many moments where I was like, what is happening right now? (laughs) And i love that feeling i love that feeling when i'm playing and, and i it's
2: jack skellington going to christmastown for the first time we all <laughs> love that feeling what's this
0: ding, 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 ding. um thank you lawsuit to disney uh the <laughs> the that's the the big takeaway that anybody listening to this conversation I, that is curious about outer wilds that's the takeaway is like that's what's fun about it is there are so many moments of oh i mean it's got that portal like I'm a genius because I came up with this, even though that was the way they wanted you to do it. But it also has. Uh, what if Portal had like an awesome story? I mean, I guess it kind of does. But yeah, what if it had a really dense, interesting sort of alien story woven into it that is creepy and cool and just knocks you for a loop?
1: On the yeah, I want to I want to piggyback on that for a second. Like, yes, it, it, the base game, the expansion, both have like amazing wow, uh, holy crap moments, but the kind of things that those are, are, are all our narrative, but they're also amazing sci-fi ideas. Like that's, uh-huh. what's so cool about it. Like this ring world, it's like, yeah, we've heard of them. We've seen them in, in fiction and stuff, but like actually traversing it, like Jeff was describing in the base game, there's like this thing called the Ash twins, these two planets that are orbiting each other. And one of them is like a sand planet. One of them is like this barren planet and there's, they've, of there's the the two planets are siphoning sand from one to the other and so there's like a a giant kind of funnel where one planet starts to shrink while the other one grows. It's like really cool sci-fi ideas um that when you see it and it's 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 awesome on paper. But then when you go and experience it and you're actually like doing practical things to survive in that location, like that's what makes it feel real. You know, it's all around you're doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like it's got physics. It's got. It, it does feel like an actual place that you're visiting, which is which is super awesome. Yeah. Um. And I know we got to move on because we got lots more to cover, but I, I also am curious because part of this whole experience with Lana and and Danish was that I I I've played a lot of games. I just mentioned it earlier in this episode, playing like Resident Evil Two with with friends and all being invested and all contributing to the to the to the to the, to the um, to the puzzles and figuring them out together and having those aha moments and those scare moments of being like all being invested. Uh, some of my favorite gaming memories are playing games with people in the sense that we're all sort of playing a single player game as a group. I don't think I've ever played like this, where I'm the only one that doesn't, hasn't already been through the experience. <laughs> and I want to ask you Danish, because I was constantly feeling like this has got to be, so boring from your perspective <laughs> it's like watching a watching somebody stumble through a movie that you already know the ending to and they're just like what happens next so well, i just I, thought oh my god it's got to be so boring for you
1: Well, though I, I actually i was going to use the movie example because I, if there's a a gem of a movie that i love like let's say, I don't know, Upgrade from a few years ago, which by the way, Jeff, have you seen the movie Upgrade? I have not yet. Okay. No. Have to see it. Have to okay. see it. Right. I, I tell everyone about it. So like I, I, my old job, I used to run a film festival uh, for the studio and, and I would pick out movies that I love, like little gems that people haven't seen. And so I, that was actually one that we played and I love showing movies that like to people who haven't seen it, you see them through a fresh set of eyes. Like you get to experience them vicariously for the first time again. And so you enjoy the movie. And then also like, you kind of like when no, one something's coming up and you're like, get excited, like, oh my God, here's the thing. And you're kind of like watching the audience a little bit and like, and that something happens and they all freak out or whatever. It's like, that's the feeling I get. It's like this, this feeling of sharing something and and, and vicariously living through your experience for the first time again.
0: I just felt like it was more akin to, uh, watching a movie and, and I, I get the DVD and I walk over to the bookshelf and I try to put it in a book and you're like, no, 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 it goes in the, it goes in the DVD player. It goes in the DVD player. I'm like, oh yeah. Sorry. sorry. You are a DVD player. Yeah. And then I stick it in, you know, a, a shirt and like, no, no, the DVD player is where it goes. You know, it's more like, more like that. I
1: mean, I've been, so I, I've in, in the current job, like last job, like we do, you know, tests and we, we watch people play uh, our games and, and user test them and focus test them and all that stuff. And I have been through plenty of user tests like that, where it's like, no, just, just, just duck. Just like, he's punching you in the face. Just duck. And they're not, they're not blocking. They're not ducking. And like, and I, so I've been through plenty of that. Um, so I, it's not it's not that. It's not it's not that bad. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I know
0: you have some VR to talk about as yeah. well. So let's get into the VR section.
1: VR. Just VR.
0: This is the year of VR Christian. This 22-23 is going to be the year of VR. We're going to be doing the VR segment so much cuz we're going to get so so much stuff to be excited about. You said two years.
1: I know. These are the years. These These, these two years are are the year of VR. I love uh, it. Okay. (laughs) Every year is the year of VR. Come on. Uh, Okay. So the first game is Stride. This game came out uh, relatively recently, I think. It is basically Mirror's Edge in VR. It's a parkour game. Um, There's a lot of different modes to it. There's like a, a time trial mode. There's an arena mode where you have to go collect a certain number of things. There's some modes that have enemies that shoot you. You dodge kind of like Mirror's Edge. You can disarm them. Uh, There's others where there's no combat whatsoever. You're just running. Um, The mechanics of it uh, are actually very similar to Sprint Vector. Remember that game? I love that game. Yeah, so good. Awesome game. I think this is even better than Sprint Vector because um, like Mirror's Edge, I think maybe even a little bit more than Mirror's Edge because Mirror's Edge kind of is still linear. Uh, stride has all these kind of abstract structures you're on you're going through buildings or whatever but there are multiple ways of doing it and it's a time trial type game in in one of the modes the one i played the most and so it's like okay if i can i can jump up here i'll roll run across this thing and then i'll grapple it also has like a kind of spider-man grapple thing which is super fun to swing through and then you land and you're like oh i missed the three stars by like one second all right how can i shave off some time uh okay what if i take this thing instead i'll try to like double you know jump this this is a cool thing where like you jump up but if you l- jump right when you land you can jump higher mm. and so it's kind of has that parkour feeling where like your landing's really matter so if you jump and then pull back a little bit so your jump isn't as far so you can hit this one pedestal that propels you further like there's a little bit of strategy in that too um yeah it's just awesome it's a ton of fun there's there's a few instances where the grabbing or climbing or like little you might get stuck in a corner and like kind of glitch out a little bit. It happens once in a while. It's definitely not nearly enough to like tarnish the experience. Um because it's a quick restart you go through you know go through again. Um yeah it's it's awesome. Uh highly recommend stride and I'm playing it on Quest 2. Awesome. And I have not
0: sprint, tried this yet.
2: Sprint vector for folks who missed it and correct I've not I've not played Stride but the way it solved for running in VR, which a lot of people play completely stationary, it's you're you're pulling with your hands. It's almost as if like each hand is grabbing and pulling the world forward. And so that kind of kept you engaged and, and kind of, for me, at least reduced motion sickness for like, oh, I'm running in VR. Is that simple? So that's yes. the mechanic you're talking about? It's kind of this grip and pull? It is. That's,
1: the only difference is that you don't actually have to let go and re-grip. Uh, during your strides, so you do the hand motions, and it, actually you don 't even have to you can hold up on the stick uh but you won 't run as fast. You get faster sprinting with that hand motion uh and then to jump, you hold the button and then let go, and then when you let go of the button, you jump but then again, if you jerk your hands upward it, like you 're leaping, that gives you a higher jump so you 're going through these motions that give you that body sensation of parkouring which is which is really cool um. It's. I love the climb. I, I think it's one of the best VR games. This is like if the climb was a chase. You know, it's like it's it's awesome. it's, it's it's awesome. So I highly recommend Stride.
0: Uh, Servios is the company that made um, Sprint Vector, and uh, I think I can now say uh, years ago I went and saw an early prototype of what became Sprint Vector, and it was more like this game sounds to me. Oh, like they really? Originally, sort of was we making basically. The Climb as a chase game, and then it kind of like, turned into Sprint Vector, which is a very different game than that, yeah. but interesting, anyway.
1: Yeah, uh, the other thing, like, this, kind of going back real quick to the PSVR 2, another thing I wanted to mention is that, like, it's great for indie developers to have another system to have their game on. Like, it just adds that much more sort of profit profitability if you can port it to another kind of big install base. So I'm hoping games like Stride come to PSVR 2 Oh well. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, The other game, uh, it's not a game. The uh, Facebook Horizon beta is open now. I don't know when it started, maybe a few weeks ago. Um, I tried it this morning and it's kind of broken. Uh, There's some, some things that just didn't work. It said I had like a red error saying failed to load this and that. Like I couldn't really do much, but I could do the creator thing. And this is something I didn't actually know was even part of the Facebook horizon thing. So uh, to back up the horizon is kind of like their meta verse, their social space, um, kind of like VR chat or rec room where yeah. you you can socialize, you can get together, join parties, then play games. But the big thing, like I said, I didn't, I wasn't aware of is that it's really heavy on user created content. So they want you to make games and make levels and make experiences. And um so I, that's that's the one thing I was able to do is try out some of their creator tools. Uh the other thing I want to kind of touch on is um so it it was very cool, very slick. Uh I've tried a number of different 3D modeling software for VR like Medium and Gravity Sketch and Google Blocks, Sculpt VR. Those are some that I have played with. Uh this one's pretty good. This is actually probably closest to Google Blocks. Um the aesthetic of Horizon is, is very smartly done where it's a very flat shaded or not, not even flat shaded, but like non-textured low poly aesthetic. And uh, what's the reason why that's very smart is that you can create trees and mountains or whatever out of that low poly aesthetic. And it looks good because it just fits in with everything else that's already there. Um, So that was cool. It also reminded me, there's actually like logic built into it. Like, dreams or even nintendo's like game builder garage where you can have like collision boxes and you can connect them to different effects boxes and create some game logic and actually create games so all the while i was doing this i was simultaneously thinking this is really cool this is great this is a a intuitive way to get you know uh young people into developing games but simultaneously i was kind of terrified because of uh roblox oh, roblox yeah. uh you guys have mentioned it before the people make games uh videos on that uh the investigation how roblox is exploiting young game developers which was like a month ago or f- four months ago and their follow-up video roblox pressured us to delete our video so we dug deeper both of those are a, pretty pretty horrifying a,
2: there was a guardian article that came out i think today as we're oh, recording really? that Is also about all of that stuff. And yeah, a a backbone of it is this user generated
1: child content. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's, it's pretty scary. And so when in the history of man has child labor ever been a problem? (laughs) Well, it's the the, the other thing I was thinking is like, man, Roblox is such a, a disaster of like, you know, morally and ethically of all these things they're doing. It's like, what happens when you give them to Facebook? <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, is it gonna? How could it be worse? Well, maybe we're gonna find out. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really disappointing. But you know, I guess the way you gotta look at it is, it's a piece of technology that can be used for good or ill. The technology itself isn't bad; it's how you use it. But unfortunately, uh, not a great track record for the the makers of this this thing so
0: but you're seeing the tools themselves are kind of neat
1: they are pretty cool yeah so yeah. it's like it's like other things where you know you you plop a primitive down from a menu like a cube or square or, or a cube or sphere or something or cone you put it down you can squash it and stretch it with your two hands um you know dreams had a vr mode and yeah which yeah. was which was cool um i think again they were really uh hindered by the the move controllers so this is a lot this is great um yeah, it's it's just pretty intuitive to do all this stuff. The way you color it, the way you can, it's limited. Like you can't take an object and kind of slice a part of it off or you can't extrude a part of it. So really it is just primitives on top of primitives on top of primitives that you just kind of build up like clay kind of. So right. it keeps it simplistic, but it's understandable. It, and it, and it, like I said, it fits the aesthetic, so it, it works for it. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what happens. See how it ruins the world.
2: Yeah. I mean, I do think this is a big part of the race to Web 3.0, and I think I mentioned it last week, two weeks ago. I mean, I I think Epic is also going this route, and you're seeing it in Fortnite with getting XP and user-created modes and providing the tools for free labor to keep people engaged in your platform that makes you the platform most of the money, but then doles out some money to be able to lure people in with the promise of making money and then not regulating the environment in which these things exist and having saying it's not your problem because you're creating the tool, not the the problematic thing. And while I harp on it for, you know, video games, and I've talked about it probably to some listeners, uh, well, maybe they have stopped listening, so they won't, (laughs) they won't hear me say it again, but that's also a model. I mean, that's YouTube, you know, that's so many things of we're the tool then you create the hate
0: speech mm-hmm. know, well not even right? the hate speech but you create the income right you yes. create you're like the people whose job is to be a youtube creator well who's making most of the money there youtube you know yeah. so it, it it's like yes we can decry these things in fact we got an email uh recently after the roblox conversation where it's like yeah you guys can talk about roblox but you're basically talking about roblox because you don't use roblox right the stuff that you use that you like doesn't feel bad because you use it and like it but this other thing that's like hey the, the kids are using that I, I don't um i'm paraphrasing the email but i think that's the gist of it and i think that's that's true like everybody thinks it's kind of normal to be on youtube and create content for tiktok and et cetera, et cetera. and it's like well it's not any different really you know it's it's not any different it's yeah, just how familiar it feels
2: i agree with that very much an only difference and the reason why i think roblox is getting some of this attention is how heavily it markets itself to children under 13 right mm-hmm. And while well tick not TikTok insignificant of the says, distinction <laughs> well yeah and tiktok technically says you need to be 13 you know whatever like all oh, these other yeah. apps that like youtube is like have your parents sign up and maybe yeah. roblox does that also but then they're like their ad campaign is like kids make money. <laughs> it's like ah
0: yeah. No, yeah. you're you, not. Like I said, not an insignificant distinction. But I think it is good to have the context, and I agree with the uh, yes emailer.
1: Yeah. Um. So yeah. Anyway, uh, it was interesting. I'll. I'm kind of just keeping tabs on it just for my own education. You know, it's not something I see myself really doing or engaging with. Um. But uh, but it was it was interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, I just want to say that was, uh, an email from a a person named Skip who said that, who said that it was entitled Roblox discussion follow-up. Um, yeah, very good point. Yeah. Uh, Anything else uh, VR that you wanted to bring up?
1: Yes. Okay. So, uh, Jeff, we got you into Outer Wilds. Yeah. We got you into Forza Horizon 5.
0: Yes. That's a whole new me.
1: Yeah. Uh, project cars too. <laughs> I've actually so, played this in VR just to have the experience of playing it in VR okay. but I never,
0: you know, put any time yeah. in it.
1: Alright, so I went down the rabbit hole this year and I bought a racing wheel
0: Ooh, and nice.
1: uh, Project Cars 2 in VR with a racing wheel and pedals is unbelievable it's <laughs> it's so amazing um, yeah, I, it's just like you, you're, the force feedback on it, like uh there were, and surprisingly like I I tried racing game VR uh, a few times here and there like Gran Turismo on PS4 had a VR mode which right. it, it, it kind of it made me sick that didn't really work for me great um there's a couple other ones I tried like Wipeout somehow worked great um so yeah oh, Pro- Project Cars 2 uh the only thing that gives gets me queasy is having to go in reverse and <laughs> once in a while like you crash it's like okay close my eyes, go in reverse. And open my eyes. <laughs> um, but even that I got over a little bit. You get your, your VR legs a little bit for that. But, but just generally like you, you're driving and uh, you can change your camera view above the car, outside the car, but uh, obviously I like the cockpit. I like the driver's seat. Um, but yeah, just like looking out your different windows and uh, your mirrors and all that stuff. It's, it's so cool. And, and me and a friend, uh, my friend, Matt Pearson, we get online together. We're racing around. We're just, it's very much like that Forza chill kind of racetrack thing where just we're just talking, we're just hanging out, we're kind of racing around, we're trying to get better at our times. And uh, it's just so much fun. It's like a completely, it's it's one of the most immersive things I've ever done in VR is uh, a racing game with the wheel in VR. It's, oh
0: man, it's so the, awesome. The, the aspect of the wheel has got to be a major factor for that. It's like, because it, yeah. it, it, it really places you there. I mean, do you feel like your hands, are placed where your hands are in the cockpit view
1: you i mean yes it doesn't i never really look at them so it's mm, yeah. it doesn't i can't i could actually couldn't tell you like how close it was right uh because you're just looking at the road and it just it just feels right um actually now that i think about it i don't even know if there are hands in the wheel i can't remember honestly i can't remember <laughs> um so yeah it, it wasn't an issue it just it feels great and then like you 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 get in a, co- a convertible and all of a sudden like it's this whole different feeling it's like <laughs> wow. so cool and then awesome. there's also uh, go-karts. And <laughs> go-karts are a blast because you're so low to the ground. Wow. And, like, you, you just look down. And, like, you only have one gear. You only go, like, 60 miles an hour. But the fact that you're so low to the ground, you see, like, the, the, the little grains of asphalt, like, whizzing past you as you're going. It's just it's so cool. And you're, like, spinning out and stuff. And, man, it's it's a blast. Uh, project this, cars, too. It's so good.
0: This is, this is my wish for what I hope psvr2 brings to a whole bunch of people who haven't tried vr or don't get vr is is there is a level of the hanging out in a virtual space with another person or another group of people that is such a such an improvement in the vr space i mean i think i've talked on the show how i play uh, vr golf uh, walkabout mini golf Mini golf, not real golf. Yeah, mini golf, same. Um, with Brian Brushwood and some other folks, and, and we we don't we're just hanging out in the virtual. We're just and yes, people do that with Destiny and Call of Duty and whatever. Getting on and playing video games with other people in different places is fun. But when you're in a virtual space, when you look around, them, when they are placed in the world with you, it is. I mean, Dennis, you and I played Demio, for example. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I really do think it is a palpable step up in that kind of experience because being in the headset feels like you're in a different place anyway. And being in a different place with another person, I, I really think that that is why people like <laughs> Zuckerberg and others are sold on the metaverse, right? Because that yeah. feeling is different it's different and it's we already know everybody listening to the show already knows how fun it is to just play video games with somebody else but to play it in a virtual space completely different it's
1: funny about about project cars too is like imagine that feeling of like presence with someone else and you are in a car and you are like drag you could like look over outside your window into (laughs) the other window of the other car and that's your friend like that's awesome. so cool, and there's uh, there's this thing called tandem drifting which is like a very highly technical thing that people do you can watch YouTube videos of it where it's like a drifting around a corner, but in tandem like you have two cars side by side and the, the way that they turn and skid like mm. it's like they it looks like they're locked together that's how like precise they are and so we were trying to do that and just like failing at it and it's just it's so fun and then once in a while we'll both not exactly tandem like we're probably you know fifty feet apart we're not like six inches apart, like those professionals are, but still like once in a while we would get one that kind of was like that. It's the most amazing feeling of all time. It's like <laughs> the fact that you're, you're, we're both in this control of this really unwieldy car. Cause we both like are getting into that SIM racer thing where we're turning all the assists off and we're really trying to like handle this thing. Like it's a beast, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, just feathering the brake and like all those like minute things you have to do to, to do a simple kind of drift and we both nailed it at the same time, and made it around the corner. Like it's just—it's incredible. It's like one of the coolest things I've ever done is VR racing.
0: That's Project Cars Two in VR. Anything else? Man, I
2: told yeah. you, I yeah, told no, you right. this, Jeff. Sorry, I told you this, Jeff. That I was looking at wheels specifically for current Turismo 7 it was last, last week or whatever, and now because yeah. I, I do think that force feedback is is big, and like the there's a lot of a range of wheels, but in my opinion, the good wheel will have. Honest to goodness, force feedback on oh, yeah. it, um, and then now I'm salivating at Gran Turismo Seven. With like, you know, Danish, imagine you say you're in a convertible, and that's when the haptic com- turns on. <laughs> yeah, you just know, like, your head. All- did, <laughs> like you feel Brrr. like outrun VR with the haptic Amazing. feedback. Ah, oh, so it'd be so. Does um, da- I mean, Danish, what's next? It's got to be f- uh, flight sim, right? Like, did you are you full hobbyist now? You also
1: have no, your full like you know, I. Flight Sim, I, I've played Microsoft Flight Simulator and I, I think it's awesome and I liked it a lot. The 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 thrill of a flight stick never appealed to me as much as like a wheel. So I don't think I'm going to go with that. The next thing I'm going to do, which uh, my friend Matt has already done, is gotten the seat. So it's uh-huh. a seat. And because you don't need to mount a monitor, you're just using your headset. It's a racing seat that you mount your wheel onto and the pedals you're like laid back on it. And then, you know, for a couple thousand dollars, you could add some motion simulator to it. Uh, So that'll be down the road a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, Uh, real good. The last thing, a really, really quick shout out. I play this small visual novel in VR called Dagon, which is based on the HP Lovecraft short story. It is the HP Lovecraft short story. You have a narrator literally reading the short story in text and you have text boxes with voice acting and stuff. All this game is is so simple and it's pretty low budget, you know, very small team. It's you know some, some of the graphics look nice. Some of it's a little crude. It's just, you fade up to a scene. You're in a scene. Like this starts off, you're on a, a big ship and you see the water and you're on the ship. Uh, and then it, like, he's describing what's happening. And obviously the prose is so amazing. And then it fades down. And it's like, okay, I escaped the ship and now I'm on this lifeboat. And then it fades up and now you're in a lifeboat. Um, There's a little bit of interactivity where you can like point at things to continue the story. So like to continue the next uh, passage, uh, you look around the world and find a little icon. You click on it. It's not supposed to be a puzzle. It's just supposed to be uh, an incentive for you to look around. So you're you're taking the thing, you click on it. That's the whole game. It's just a visual novel. It lasts like 30 minutes. And uh, I played it in VR and it, it was very cool. It was very, very cool. I recommend it. Um, But what it really made me excited for is uh, just VR visual novels as a medium. I think it's just a really cool idea and something that, as this game demonstrates, can be done, you know, fairly cheaply and like seemingly, you know, uh, easily. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool, um, you know, clever little thing. uh, Interesting little thing uh, I played.
0: It looks like on Steam, it looks like it's free. Yes, I think Uh, it it has. It is listed as overwhelmingly positive on r- ratings. Uh, this is Daygun by HP Lovecraft on Steam. Uh, yeah. I'm downloading I mean, it.
1: You can't beat free yeah. 30 minutes VR. I mean, <laughs> come on. Especially when you're saving up
2: for a force feedback driving chair. You yeah. can't beat free. <laughs> yeah, <exactly.
1: laughs>
0: All right. Well, we are, we've gone very long. But hey, uh, it's been great. This has been Awesome. Uh, yeah, and we got still have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. Danish Syed, tell the folks where they can keep up with you and the things that you
1: put out into the world. Uh, you can just find me on Twitter at, at underscore Danish Syed.
0: All right. Amazing. Uh, Christian Spicer, how about you? What do you got going on this week?
2: I have a newsletter you can su- subscribe to for free. That's uh, where I do long form writing about video games. You can find it at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. And I started working on, I do about one a month. I've started on my January newsletter, which uh, assuming it ends where I like it to, and I'm like, this is good and we're sending. It's kind of about this year in games um, from a hopeful perspective of what I hope 2022 will bring to games and gaming. Um, and it's interesting to sit and look at that not from a bold and cool ranch prediction perspective, but like here we are I'm sitting in a new year. Um, man, it's going I, I have a lot of high hopes for this year in video games. I think it's a very exciting, some of which we talked about uh, for some of the reasons we talked about at the beginning of story of the week yeah. <laughs> on, on this very show. Um, and then I usually stream this show live on my Twitch channel. We typically record Sundays at 7 15 PM Pacific time. You can find it at twitch.tv slash christian spicer and then other stuff you can
0: find on twitter where i am just at spicer i'm at jeff canada on twitter that's spelled with two n's and one t you can hear me talk about movies and tv shows on the film cast which is a podcast you can find anywhere you get podcasts uh, i also do another podcast about science it is a comedy podcast so you can learn something and laugh along the way it's called we have concerns you can find that at we have concerns.com Uh, I do a sports show for the fan-controlled football league. Really exciting stuff coming up for that. You can find that on Twitch, twitch.tv slash F-C-F. And I do the Dungeon Run, which is a live play Dungeons & Dragons show. Really big episode last week. The team fought dragons, which is, you know, actually in Dungeons & Dragons, surprisingly rare to actually happen. We did it. You can find that at twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run or as an audio podcast or a, a YouTube show um, by searching for The Dungeon Run on those platforms. All right. Let us uh, wrap the show up now with our parting gifts.
1: Hey, give us a suggestion. Danish, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, great segue from uh, your Dungeon Run show. I read this book recently called Word or Wired or Weird. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's W-Y-R-D by Adam L.G. Neville. And I think I got it on Audible uh, for just like, I don't know, 10 bucks or something. And this is a horror short story collection with no characters. Uh, hmm. it is just like you're he- listening to a, a dungeon master. Like, so huh. the, every short story is nothing but descriptions of an environment. Huh. It's really interesting. I think wow. that it's, um, is it written in the second person? Like, no. is it, is it well, you actually, are here? You are
0: doing this. You are doing that.
1: Sometimes it it does say you once in a while, but mostly <laughs> it's sort of omniscient, but I think once in a while it'll drop a U. Um, I, th- I have kind of some issues with it. I think it's uh, it since it's all just prose. Sometimes the prose is like way too flowery and stuff because <laughs> it's all description. Yeah. And it's like, okay, okay, calm down. But uh, I have to give it to this concept because, like, even though it's kind of some of the stories are hit and miss, um, it's worth checking out just because it's so interesting and novel, and I've never read anything like it. And especially, uh, Jeff, to you, like as someone, as a DM who, who does this for a living, like describing these worlds and like you see this and you're in this place, I think you'll get a kick out of it. It's it's really fascinating.
0: Oh, I'm definitely interested. Uh, again, this is called Weird or Weird <laughs> W-Y-R-D by Adam L.G. Neville. Very I cool. have a,
1: I have one other quick one. It's the The Watch podcast, part of the the Ringer Network. Uh, it's just a cool podcast to listen to, but I wanted to point out this episode, the most recent January 6th episode called Our Most Anticipated TV Shows of 2022. And Christian, you were talking about this year being great for games. Uh, I had no idea. Listening to this uh, podcast, there are so many shows I've never heard of, obviously, because they, they haven't really started promoting them yet, but these guys kind of are you know, on the on the pulse of it. And uh, wow, amazing shows coming out this year. So give that a listen uh, in have a lot of tons of stuff to look forward to
0: cool we are in a golden age of tv that's for sure yeah christian spicer what is your parting gift
2: uh camelbacks especially this is for the department of parenting folks out there uh the family and i we are going on a substantial hike this summer um that we have planned and so we are training we've started our training with our children and like getting our mileage up and going on longer hikes and camelbacks um are those backpacks that hold a bladder of water with a little straw that comes out that you sip on that for most of my life i was like thought was the silliest thing right i was like what do you do what do you do carry a water bottle or you just get your water uh despite what i might think as a parent as a motivating factor for a child giving them their grandparents (laughs) got them
0: camelbacks uh (laughs) for christmas the motivating factor You get another sip of water if you keep walking.
2: No, that's the difference, Jeff. And yes, I agree with the. I agree with the joke. I agree. I agree with the tone. But the difference is, it's not that they can sip whenever they want. Yeah. And my nieces have had one, and they loved it when they would go hiking. And it seems like it's the silliest, smallest thing. I'll tell you what. If we were still doing DOP,
0: Daddy, I gotta go pee pee. (laughs)
2: That's fine. You're in the woods, bro. Okay. Uh, we would have done a whole DOP about these things. It's, it has just enough to fit their own little tramics in it. You know, they get mm. to pack ahead of time. And then they have their water. They're staying hydrated. You're not carrying their water for them. Mm. And just the amount of fun that they have sipping on this thing out of the straw. I'm telling you, get your kid or a, a Camelback <laughs> or, you know, an alter- third uh, other brand style back bladder Sippy water holder thing. Dippy backpack.
0: This sounds like something Man. that might be useful just around the house. You know, <laughs> I,
2: I mean, I'm one step away from then also getting them like a rolly potty. You know what I mean? It's
1: kind of like you got your IV cart, you got your hospital potty, dude. dude I'm going to get one of these for my VR 24 hour Le Mans race. <laughs> 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 Amazing.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, they, they do have those, right. When yeah, you're actually in a cockpit for that long. Um, yeah, I always wrote them off as silly. Man, my nieces have loved theirs, and so far my kids love theirs.
0: It. back Sippy Packs. Yeah. Do it up. Yeah. Uh speaking of the golden age of television, um, one of my favorite TV shows of the last several years just sort of Beyonce dropped a whole new season. They didn't tell anybody. <laughs> I mean, I, we I knew they were working on this season, but it just appeared on HBO Max out of nowhere, and it was like the greatest, I got a text from uh, my co-host on the film cast going, Jeff, a new season of Search Party just hit, the entire season just hit HBO Max, and I was like, what? What? Ah, I love Search Party. There's no other show like it. It's a mix of a comedy and a horror, horror is even the wrong word. Thriller, I guess, is better, but even that is a misnomer. It's it's, there's nothing like it. Every season is completely different from the one before it. S- super funny, brilliant, clever, surprising. Watch Search Party if you're not. Uh, and the new fifth season just dropped. I'm uh, several episodes in already. Loving it. Again, they completely change it up. So this season, again, is completely different than anything that came before it. Really cool. Search Party.
1: It's l-
2: I haven't started the new season, but I feel like the others, and correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like a more adult Veronica Mars. But, yeah, it still is playful. But it's
0: like it's got this mystery, right? Like that's kind of the core conceit. Well, the first season was a mystery.
1: And then after that, it's just like it came, every season it changes kind of what it is.
0: It's – it's.
1: Yeah. I think – I don't know if you said this or if it was on the film cast, but one of the best descriptions I've heard is uh, what if the cast of Arrested Development was in Breaking Bad? And yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I don't know if you said that, but that that it, I love it. It's great, and I second everything you said. The show is incredible, and yeah. I cannot wait to uh, to watch the new. I season. just
0: love that they just they didn't advertise it. They didn't say it was coming. It just appeared on HBO Max. I heard,
1: I heard about it last month. Last month that it was oh, coming. Oh, really? Next oh, month? But, maybe I just. But even that. that was like a short. Yes, it was very fast.
0: <sighs> so excited! Um All right, we got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail It comes from Trent. Finney Trent writes, "Uh, hey guys, I've been recently playing Remnants of the Precursors, which is a free Java-based modernization of the original Masters of Orion from 1993. For context, Moo, or Masters of Orion, was one of the first 4X games that truly captivated me as a young boy, and Moo 2 is still one of my favorites in the genre to this day. Then there was Moo 3, which was the first game release for which I ever counted down the days on a calendar, only to have it be just an enormous disappointment. I fired up remnants of the precursors and was immediately pulled back into a universe I spent so much time in back in the 90s. It feels familiar, but also fresh, tweaking certain elements of the formula of the original while retaining the core ingredients. I don't know whether it was just bad luck at the start, or a result of the tweaked difficulty and AI, but my first game had me teetering on the edge of extinction numerous times, only to claw my way back to galactic dominance. It was a delicious and unexpected nostalgic trip. For anyone with fondness for the Master of Orion series, it's worth a look.
1: Thanks. Oh, man. I don't know. Dennis, did you play Masters of Orion? I think I did back in the day. I I (sighs) barely remember it, but yes, I think it was one of those... Yeah, one of those early PC uh,
0: games. I, I checked this out uh, when I got this email, and uh, I'm excited to, to dive into it. So thanks, Trent. Really cool suggestion. If you have a parting gift that you'd like to hear read right on the show, send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for this very long episode, a uh, very fun episode. Great kickoff to our new year of episodes. Thanks again to Danish Syed and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L, Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for the awesome bumpers. Thank you to each and every one of you who are downloading the show and listening. We are grateful. Until next week, thanks and think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.